welcome to episode 42 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on July 30th, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor at GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show with me. As always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics, who also recently celebrated a birthday. Happy oh, birthday, Corey. Happy birthday. Happy 49. One year away from the big 5-0. How do you feel, old man? Very funny. I was really hoping we could make it through the show without you wishing me happy birthday. Impossible. Because, uh, Impossible. No way that was going to happen. Happy birthday to the uh, best co-host ever. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not one of those people who, like, like on Facebook, you know, people like write you a happy birthday, like people that you haven't talked to for like 10 years. And I'm totally one of those people that like, I like, I, I get it. You know, it's nice. Like it's a nice gesture or whatever, but I would rather just have like my three close friends in life just like text me happy birthday rather than like all these people that I haven't seen in 10 years and probably will like never see again for the rest of my life. Like it's a cute gesture, but I don't like... I'm just like, I don't care about birthdays. Like after you turn like 20, like three or 24 birthdays are pretty lame. So I don't, I just don't care about them. I don't care about celebrating them. I'm not really interested in having people tell me happy birthday, but thank you either way, Brad. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. So happy birthday. And you know, it's interesting that you're not super big on birthdays because I'm actually not super big on birthdays either. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm not really big on like any holiday. Um, I often forget <laughs> holidays. Like I've actually forgotten my birthday twice. Like I've straight up forgotten it was my birthday until like my son will come up and say, happy birthday, dad. And I'm like, oh shit, it's my birthday today. <laughs> I totally like legit forgot. And uh, yeah, after you hit a certain number, they just kind of start blending together. And then after a while, you get even older, you just like straight up forget about them because I don't know, you just got other things on your mind or your brain is just that old. Um but I, I like celebrating other people's birthdays. I mean, if somebody has a special day like you or like other people, I like to, you know, take a moment to say hey. But, you know, I also agree. Um, I'm not on Facebook or anything like that. I mean, I, I guess I am, but I'm never on it. You know what I mean? Like, I have a page, but, like, I never go to it or I don't check it or anything. Um, but uh, I don't have anybody in real life ever wish me happy birthday outside of my family. But I do get a lot of um, Twitter happy birthdays, which is cool because, I mean, honestly, I don't know about you, but I think I probably talked to people on Twitter more than anybody else in my real life, which is kind of the way I like it. Like I, <laughs> I have my closest, you know, family and friends around and I can, I can see them whenever. And then other than that, people leave me alone. And if I feel like I need to chat, I go on Twitter and that's, that's enough for me. So getting happy birthday from those folks is kind of neat, but otherwise, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Not a big deal. Didn't mean to make it a huge deal, but <laughs> I couldn't let it go. So anyway, enough of the bullshit. Happy, happy birthday. And we will Thanks, drop Brad. it there. No more mention of happy birthday. In fact, I've already <laughs> forgotten it. Forget it. Don't bring it up again. Um, so, listeners, dear listeners, tonight is a bit of a special show. We are detouring from our usual format to do a mid-year review. We are going to be talking about what's on our game of the game of the year list so far, and what might be on it once December thirty-first rolls around and the year is done. Uh, I put out a question to Twitter. We have a ton. A ton of your responses on the subject. I was actually blown away by how many people uh, chipped in and gave us some feedback. It was kind of ridiculous, and it took me a really long time to <laughs> collate the results. 
Um, so we will get to that. But first, as our usual listeners know, and we hope you are our usual listener, if not become one now, we usually get the ball rolling with our traditional few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game related. Uh, but and also just a reminder for folks who don't want to hear about our random hijinks, rants and recommendations. There are timestamps in the show notes so you can jump ahead and skip it. But why would you want to? Corey, <laughs> what do you got, man? Well, um, I actually had a really busy weekend. I feel like on most shows, whenever we record, I'm like, oh, I didn't really do a lot. Oh, I just kind of sat around and played video games. But uh, I figured out last week that there was an anime convention in town this weekend. And I don't really... um, like, I, I, that's the one thing that I never really think to, like, look up. Like, in Omaha, I went to an anime convention a while back, and I probably talked about it on the show, but it's, like, one of those things that I never think about, like, looking up, like, annual events in New Orleans now that I live here. But there was a convention called the MechaCon, which is M-E-C-H-A-C-O-N, a MechaCon anime convention over the weekend. And uh, I really like... Um, I guess the first con that I ever went to was the one I went to in Nebraska in like November, which is the, it's called Anime Nebraskon um, with a K for K-O-N, like Nebraska, Nebraskon, get it? Um, I went to that one in November and I had a really good time. Basically all I did was just like photograph cosplayers and I thought it was pretty fun. Um, so that's kind of what I did for this one. I went on... It was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or today, if you will. Today is Sunday. Um, and I went... The, the kind of shitty thing was I forgot that... I, I looked up the panel list, and I thought there was a panel that I really wanted to go to, and I thought it was on Saturday morning. And I realized at on Thursday night at about 3 o'clock in the morning that it was actually Friday morning. So... I got like three hours of sleep on Friday night or on Thursday night and I had to get up and drive downtown to go to, and I had to go like register and everything cause you have to like pick up your badge and pay and all that shit. Cause by the time I discovered MechaCon was a thing, I had, um, I hadn't, I had pre-registration was closed. So I got there uh, at like 10 AM. The panel was at 11 and luckily I made it. It was a ghost in the shell panel, which was exciting for me. There were only two, voice actors there um richard epcar who voices uh, bato and who has voiced bato for literally the entire um length of ghost in the shell he did the first movie he did the second movie he did the standalone complex series he's done video games he did the arise prequel um he, he's done it all because a lot of the other voice actors have switched out like for every different installment um major kusanagi has had a different voice actress like she has a different voice actress from the movie than she did in the standalone complex series and in arise she had a different voice actress but uh, richard epcar has been there for the whole thing so it was really neat um to see him and his wife uh, was there i can't remember her name which is really terrible of me but uh she played a kind of minor character in the second Ghost in the Shell anime movie, and I didn't realize that they were married, uh, So, but it was cool because she was there, and he was there, and they talked about Ghost in the Shell, and they talked about the live-action movie and what they thought about it and um, you know, some other anime stuff. Um, but I basically just walked around and photographed people and cosplay the whole time, and it was a lot of fun. Like It started out... Being, I, I, I start out in these situations being very timid where I, cause I'm just like a dork walking around by myself with my camera. Like I don't have like big camera equipment or like a flash or like the soft boxes or whatever. It's just me walking around, you know, in shorts and a t-shirt with a camera in my backpack. And I, I have no idea like how I present myself on the floor. Like, I don't know if I just look like a dork or if I look like I am a serious photographer. I really have no idea, but 
it, it starts with me like being scared to ask people if they want to be photographed because I just kind of, I'm just one of those people, you know, I'm an introvert. Like I don't really like to bother people that much. Um, and then by the end of like the first day I was photographing people with no problem at all, I would walk up and just be like, hey, you know, can I photograph you? And then I would ask them like very specific poses to get into to try to get like the best pictures. Or I'd be like, oh, let's come over here to this wall because there's better lighting now. Oh, can you pose like this? Can you pose like that? Okay, can you do this now? Can you do that? And it took me a little bit of while, a little while to like break, um, I guess, break uh, into, I guess, feeling comfortable. But um, but it was pretty cool. I, I just shot a lot of people. I went for all three days. Um, I went to some panels. Uh, some panels that were not the Ghost in the Shell panel as well, but they weren't anything super exciting. Like I went to an anime bloopers panel, which was basically just a voice actor like playing a bunch of clips from anime that he had acted in uh, on his computer over to us. And it was like they had dubbed in like the voice actor saying really dumb shit like during during the clips, um, like jokes and stuff. I went to a Bioware fireside chat panel where we basically just sat in the room and kind of talked about Bioware games and talked about like, you know, what we did in them and how we wish things would have turned out and like who we romanced in them. And that was pretty neat because it was just like a bunch of Bioware fans in a room, maybe like 20 to 30 of us just in there kind of talking about Bioware stuff. And I went to a basic photo shoot uh, panel uh, today, actually. It was like one of the, pretty much the last thing I did today. And it was okay. It wasn't really that special. I didn't really learn anything new. Um, it was more about like, people who do cosplay, like stuff like that you don't want to forget when you go to have your picture taken or, you know, to have like a little kit with like, you know, like spirit gum and extra makeup and stuff like that. And then like, you know, contact solution and a contact case and stuff like that. So it wasn't really much about photography, um, but it was kind of nice to sit on um, and listen to when uh, listen to it was two women uh, cosplay models who hosted it. So it was kind of cool just to, you know, hear them talk about stuff, like some experiences they had had. And one of them was a photographer too, kind of an amateur photographer. So um, she was talking about kind of her stuff and how she photographs other cosplayers and stuff like that. Um, well, that sounds really cool, man. I have a couple questions before you go on. I don't want to get you course. too far away, but I'm dying to know what did those Ghost in the Shell people think of the movie? Just, you know, just real quick nutshell. I mean, I'm just kind of curious as people who had spent, you know, I'm guessing a large part of their life working on the anime in that series, that property. What did they think of the film? Just really briefly. Um, they both, I think, I feel like the gist that I got from them is that they thought it was like fine, like, you know, like mediocre, not great and not terrible. They pretty much everybody in, I mean, there were only like maybe like 20 to 30 people at this panel. So it wasn't, there wasn't like a huge audience and it was early in the morning, but, um, like nobody in the audience was like phased by the whitewashing controversy. Like everybody was just kind of like, yeah, Scarlet was good. Like nobody really cared about that a whole lot. Like everybody in the panel seemed to be more mad that like the whitewashing controversy kind of like nuked the movie in the United States more than the fact that it was whitewashed. But um, I don't know. It was interesting because I feel like there's a big connection with the people who know a lot about the original anime and know a lot about um, the idea of like, you know, uh, Japanese people sort of like glorifying like Caucasian looking women, which is why, or so I've heard why Major Kusanagi's uh, robot body in the anime looks like a white woman. And it's like, and then you have people that only want to talk about the whitewashing controversy. And I feel like maybe they don't necessarily understand like that part of it. Um, but I mean, they thought it was, 
fine, I guess. Like, not amazing, but not, like, terrible. They weren't, like, shitting on it or anything. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Interesting. Okay, so the only the only other question I have is, obviously, like, the elephant in the room here. Um, you went to take pictures of people in cosplay at the uh, convention. What did you What did you get? Did you get anything good? Anything amazing? I want to hear about like what's your best get. What was good? Uh, I am still in the middle of editing pictures, but I did get I like I already know I got a handful of like really good stuff. Like I got um, there was a guy cosplaying as Genji from Overwatch, and his cosplay was amazing. It, it wasn't even that complicated, but it was just like a bodysuit, like a onesie bodysuit. And then he had, like, the white armor panel over it. But the panel had, like, the it lit up green where, like, the green rings are on the front of the armor panel. And he had a mask that lit up green behind the eyes. And he had the the uh, Genji sword and the whole length of the sword lit up green. And I think my best picture that I took was of him. And, uh, and he seemed like a really nice guy. And he was really fun. And he won a Judge's Choice Award at the cosplay uh, competition. But I photographed, let's see what else I photographed. Um, uh, like the, the very first people I photographed were um, a couple that were doing Adam Jensen and uh, Francis Pritchard from Deus Ex Human Revolution. So I like nerded out so hard whenever I saw them. And I like saw them and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I have to photograph them. I have to photograph them. And I like walked around the convention floor for like 10 minutes to like psych myself up to go ask them about photographing them. And then I walked up and it was two women doing gender bent cosplay of Adam <laughs> Jensen. It was so amazing. I could not tell from far away that it was two women. I just thought it was two dudes, like two scrawny dudes. But I walked up and it was, uh, from my knowledge, it was a lesbian couple that were doing gender-bent cosplay almost all weekend. And I haven't posted these pictures yet because I haven't edited them. Um, But they were really good. Like Adam Jensen had on um, like the Muster Brand official Deus Ex like version 2.0 jacket. And I have the version 1.0 jacket, you know, not to to be a big deal or anything. But um, and he had like, or she had the, like the eyepieces and her little lenses. She could put them in or take them out. And Francis had um, like the jacket that he wears, kind of like the gold and brown tone jacket um, from Human Revolution. And on day two, I saw one of them cosplaying as Major Kusanagi from Ghost in the Shell. And I was like nerding out so hard because they were like cosplaying as like all of my favorite like video game and anime characters. Dude, and on the I- third day... They cosplayed as Snake and Miller from uh, Ground Zeroes or from Metal Gear Solid Five, and they were just—they were all over it. They were so good. I those sound like your people, dude. Did you like meet up with them, or did you say, "Oh my God, we got to go like have drinks or something"? <laughs> like, what the hell, you guys? We are cut from the same cloth here. Did you talk to them like in that manner at all? Uh, I didn't. The shitty thing was whenever I photographed them as uh, as Adam and Pritchard, I showed them like my Deus Ex tattoo because I have a, a half sleeve tattoo and they were like really excited about it. And then, you know, we kind of said our piece and I walked away because they were looking through the, the store to like buy stuff because we were in the like the marketplace. And then the next day I saw uh, her dressed as Kusanagi and but she was like in line for an arcade game or something. And I was like, well, I don't want to bother her. And then I couldn't find her for the rest of the day. And then I walked past them like once when they were in Metal Gear Solid uh, cosplay today. And uh, and I just I don't know why I didn't ask to photograph them. It was just I guess I was just being timid again. But um, I so I really only had like the one conversation with them because I didn't get pictures of them in the Ghost in the Shell cosplay or the Metal Gear Solid cosplay. But I did get the uh, the Deus Ex one. Well, you know, um Something that I've found over the years is that people who cosplay 
and I, I don't mean to speak about everybody, of course. <laughs> um, but I've I've found that people that cosplay will often like search for pictures of themselves from conventions. I mean, whether it's you know maybe it's for their own portfolio or maybe they just want to see if anybody thought their costume was good or whatever. Um, and so I've actually like whenever I go to conventions, if I end up posting pictures of cosplay, I sometimes do get contacted by people who saw that I took a picture of them and then they reach out like they want to copy or they want to say something or whatever. So if you, you know, I don't know if those people are in your area, it might be cool to hook up with them or maybe to get something going. Maybe you could like expand into not just uh, parkour photography, but you could also <laughs> do cosplay photography. Maybe these guys need a photographer. Maybe you should, uh, yeah, yeah, post some pics I, and see um, if they reach out. I did. I actually did think about that and I forgot to mention this in my big uh, rant earlier, but um, almost everyone that I photographed, I asked if they were on Instagram because that's where, you know, I post. I mean, I post all my pictures on Twitter, but Instagram is just like a better uh, platform for it. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, the woman who was cosplaying as Pritchard, I actually did get her Instagram handle and we're following each other right now. And like, the guy who played Genji, um, where uh, he gave me, he, he's not on Instagram, but we're friends on Facebook now. And like I posted some stuff on his Facebook wall. Um, I photographed a group of people that did like all Spider-Man cosplay. And not only were their Spidey suits like amazing, they were also like the most attractive people like I've ever seen in my life. And I got one of their individual handles and they have like an Instagram handle for their whole team. Um, so I was doing pretty well about getting people's handles whenever I could so uh you know once I get all the pictures touched up and stuff if I don't post them and tag them then I'll probably just send them the pictures directly and then they can you know use them if they want them or whatever right on you know now that I'm thinking about this if you have anything ready to go you should put a little link in the show notes and people can uh you know maybe not all your pictures are ready but maybe have a couple up there so that people who listen to the show can just click and see like some of the photos you took you should do that that is true maybe I should just put like my Instagram. Well, the funny thing about photo editing too is like, I usually do that whenever I edit the show. Like right after we record the show, I like compile our audio clips. And then because editing the show, I can't like listen to anything or like watch TV or do anything because I have to listen to the show. So most of the time I actually edit photos while I'm listening back to the show because, you know, it's like a visual thing I can do while I'm listening to the show. So Maybe by the time the show is edited and up, I will have um, most of my pictures edited as well, hopefully, if I stay on task. Okay, you heard it here, folks. There may be pictures in the show notes. <laughs> there may not. We don't know. I'll add a little spice to this this listening of the uh, the podcast. When you like go to check the show notes, is there something there? Is there not? Who knows? Go check. I don't know. Go see. Um, <laughs> what else you got, Corey? Anything else on your uh, in your banter, uh, banter pile today? Uh, I don't think so. It's basically, I've just been walking around MechaCon all weekend photographing cosplayers and been friggin' tired as hell from walking around all day. Um, that's pretty much it, I think. I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, I got a couple things on my docket today. Uh, one of them, God, kind of sad. And one of them is fine. I'm going to do the sad oh, one no. first. <laughs> oh, no. My, my son, um, he really wants a pet, like, really badly. Like, he is all about animals, and he just really wants to have, like, a dog or a cat. He would take anything. He's just, like, desperate. He's pet hungry. He just really wants a pet. Um, but we live in an apartment where dogs are not allowed. I cannot stand cats. My wife is actually now allergic to cats, so we cannot have a cat, even if I was not um, anti-cat, which I really am strongly anti-cat. And then, you know, he could have, like, another animal of some sort, like something really small, maybe, uh, because the landlord wouldn't care. But it's a lot of work, you know? I mean, he's eight, and he's, you know, he's pretty responsible, but any kid that age struggles with, like, remembering to take care of things and, 
you know, a pet is fine when you're playing with it, but it's, you know, you don't want to clean up its poop and you got to remember to feed it and you got to clean the cage and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I like, I'm super busy. Like I'm crazy busy. My wife is incredibly busy also. And we just don't have the extra bandwidth for a pet. And it's like, so we keep, we keep telling him no, but every once in a while something will happen and we'll just like have a weak moment and we will um, just cave here and there. But it always ends really, really poorly. Um, oh no. We got our son a fish one time. It was like one of those little really pretty Siamese fighting fish. And betas, I think, is the actual name of them. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, that little fucker kept wedging himself between the glass of the aquarium and the heater. He had, like, the entire <laughs> aquarium. And there was, like, other places to hide. Like, it wasn't like there, you know, that was, like, the only hiding place, if that's what he was after. But that fucker kept wedging himself between the glass and the fucking heater, and he cooked himself to death. It was, oh my God. we had him for, I think maybe two days and he just like, he would not stay out of that heating element. It was fucking weird, dude. So that was a big fucking bummer. <laughs> um, he's had a couple other really, really teeny tiny things. They just, they just end up dying, right? They just end up really dying. So yesterday we went to the grocery store uh, just to get a couple things and he wanted to go look at the fish like you know check out what weird fish do they have in the fish case what's going on you know we'd like to check it out so they actually had a bunch of crayfish that were still alive and uh he's like oh dad check this out they're still alive and i'm like oh shit you know of all the things i was bracing myself for i wasn't i wasn't ready to go on the anti-pet rant because we were like at the grocery store i was you know (laughs) who brings a fucking pet home from the grocery store but I've had I've actually had crayfish as pets before. They're pretty cool little animals. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, they look like basically miniature lobsters. They're a freshwater uh, crustacean, native to North America. I'm sure they're in other countries as well. It's just like a little tiny little lobster that you can have in a in a tank. Uh, so he's like, Dad, Dad, can we get one? Can we get one? And I'm like, Well, you know, it's like a box full of these crayfish and they're meant for eating i mean they're not there for pets i mean i'm like dude you know these things i mean half of them in the box were dead you know they didn't you know they're not being taken care of like some dude catches them or farms them or whatever sticks them in a box they're alive when he sticks them in the box so they can call them live they send them to safeway and then when you get there it's like they last as long as they last and by the time you get to them some are still alive some are dead who knows right but there was one particularly feisty one on top. I guess he was, you know, the toughest one of them all, I suppose. And so I was like, oh, God, here we going to go. Here we go again on the pet, the pet wheel again. Like, this is, oh, Jesus Christ. So I'm like, all right, fine. My wife was like, what? And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. It's just, <laughs> I've had these before. It's no big deal. They're very low maintenance. Not a problem. Um, so we ended up getting one. We brought him home. He seemed fine. We stuck him in the, the aquarium kid was super excited he was just like oh my god uh, i'm so excited to have him he's so cool like he was just checking him out and hanging out how's he doing what's he going let's feed him something let's, let's check him out like thrilled he's just thrilled bouncing off the walls to have this pet right so he gets ready for bed and he's like how's he doing how's he doing and i'm like he's fine he's totally fine he's fine he's like okay the crawfish are tough man he's, it's not it's no problem go to bed so he goes to bed i hear the thing scratching in the tank all night no problem give him some food fresh water it's all good Get up in the morning. I hear the fucker still scratching around. I'm like, all right, good. These, I mean, these things are tough. If nobody has familiarity with crawfish, I mean, they're really tough. They're like little lobsters. They live in mud. They live in shallow water. They can crawl along land. They're, I mean, they can eat like anything. They're like, they're just really tough. They're like survivors, man. They're tough animals. So I check on them in the morning. It looks fine. Blah, blah, blah. Start playing some game. Wife cooks breakfast. Yada, yada, yada. Kid gets up and he's like, 
hey, how's my crawfish doing? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Let's go check him out. I go over there. Fucker's dead. And oh I was like, God, God damn. <laughs> I was like, he was alive five <laughs> minutes ago. And I felt so bad. And he's like, really? Is he, is he sleeping? I'm like, no, nah, man, he ain't sleeping. No, he's not moving. And I got a little, like a, a little, uh, a stick and I poked him just to see if he would move and he didn't Aww. move. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. But you know, you know what? My kid was like, you know, that's okay. He was in that box at Safeway and he had a good last day and he probably was happy to be out of there. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, that is amazing. You are the amazing kid. I am so happy that you like, instead of being sad or crying or being angry, like he totally saw like the good, the good side of the situation, I guess. And he was just totally fine with it. And he's like, well, that's okay. You know, he had a good last day. Now he's in crawfish heaven and it's, it's all good. So I was really impressed. He handled it like a real trooper and I felt super bad. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's just more evidence that we just are not pet people. We're not meant to have pets. Maybe he'll have a pet when he gets older, but we are just not, we are not meant to have pets. So that was a real bummer. I know you've got cats and stuff, but you've had, you had other cats or other, other animals or other, other things in your past. Are you a pet person, Corey? Uh, yeah, I grew up with, um, mostly with big dogs and I was always like a big dog person because I like, um, like, I think my favorite kind of pet is just like a big old lazy dog. Like I grew up most of my childhood with, um, a chocolate lab and he was like, we were the kind of family where, you know, we had a chocolate lab, but he was like mostly an inside dog and we didn't do the kennel bullshit because my mom was not about, you know, to have a dog and then lock it up in a tiny little box, you know, for half the day every day. So he would just sleep around on the couch and sleep on the floor and sleep by the stairs. And he was just like, you know, just hung out and slept everywhere. And that, that was the kind of, uh, the kind of situation that we had going on. And I actually didn't get cats until about I think it was like five years ago or so, uh, maybe six years when Patrick, because the story behind me having cats, because I was never into cats because I always thought the cats were like, you know, I mean, they're cats. They're like rude and they're bitchy and they're like off-putting and they're like ferocious. And I just never wanted them. But whenever Patrick went to go visit his his uh, dad and stepmom live in, I think it's like Tennessee. I'm probably getting that wrong. but Or maybe it was Tennessee at the time. Um, he went to visit them and his stepmom had recently taken in a kind of neighborhood cat that was around in the area. And Patrick knew he always wanted a cat and he knew that I didn't want one. So he asked me, he was like, well, can I bring it back? And I was like, yeah, I guess it's fine. Whatever. Like you can do that. So he brought the cat back and cause he drove back from Tennessee. And this is when we lived in Missouri and about a week after he brought it back, you know, he took it to the vet to, you know, get it checked up and whatever, see what was going on with it, if everything was okay. And of course it was pregnant. So oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's how we ended up with our cats because we had, um, we named them all after, well, I kind of named them all after video game characters. The mom's name was Meryl after Meryl Silverberg from Metal Gear Solid. And, um, she was pregnant and she had three, uh, three kittens, which I mean, a lot of people told us that we were lucky that she didn't have more because I guess three is like a low number for like a litter, but she had, um, uh, Bowser and Samus and Master Chief and we kept... <laughs> Master Chief? Yeah, Master Chief. <laughs> I didn't know you had a cat named Master Chief. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, we had those three. So we went from having one cat to having four cats to having three cats to having two cats because we gave... Master Chief to one of Patrick's friends that lives in St. Louis at the time when we were still in Missouri. And then we didn't, like, Meryl wasn't a very, like, friendly 
cat. She she was like what you think of when you think of a cat. She would just like sit in the corner, would never try to get in your lap, didn't want to be pet ever, just like wanted to mind her own business and didn't want you anywhere near her. So we ended up giving her to some friends that moved to Texas. Um, and then we ended up with just Bowser and Samus. And I actually think raising them from birth was like a really good thing because they're very... Um, you know, they're very affectionate. They always want to be in your lap. They're very warm. Um, they also are very whiny whenever it comes to food. They're Maine Coons, and Maine Coons are very uh, large cats, very fluffy oh, yeah. cats. Yeah, those are like those really super big ones, right? Yeah, they're like, like if you see pictures on the internet of like Norwegian forest cats, they're like similar to those, but smaller. Um, and I swear, I forgot to mention to this to you before we started the show, but I can now. I, I swear to God, every time we're about to sit down and record the show, they know I'm about to, and we feed them every 12 hours, like a scoop of food every 12 hours. And even though it's not the 12 hour mark, they know I'm about to sit down and record and they know that I have to feed them even if it's early because all they'll do is meow and meow and meow and scratch at the door and meow, which I can't have coming over the microphone. So I always feed them. They always start bugging me for food right when we sit down to record and I have to feed them because I can't let them walk around and meow and be obnoxious while I'm recording because then everybody would hear it on the show. So there are a couple of little bastards in that regard. I hate cats. I hate cats. <laughs> um, so we are not going to get cats, but thank you for sharing your I, your story. And I my my evening has been made knowing that there is a cat out there somewhere named Master Chief. That just for some reason that just is fucking hilarious to me. I don't know why I find that so funny, but I do. Um, one more really quick thing in my uh, banter, which is actually this week, ironically, is game related. Um, my son. Uh, plays games a lot like he's a hardcore gamer just like uh, me and his mom uh, but he does not like to just pick one thing and finish it like that's how kind of how I played when I was younger and that's still how I am today more or less and uh, my wife is basically the same like once she gets on a game she doesn't want to touch anything until she's finished like one game and that's it but my son really likes to jump around a lot and so like he'll always have me digging something out off a shelf or like, Hey dad, where's XYZ game that I played six months ago. I want to play this again now, or Hey, what's in the back room. And you know, and we got a lot of games in the house to be fair. I mean, I'm a critic. I've been a critic for a long time. I loved games even before being a critic. So I've got games. I mean, we've got like, you know, shitload of games, dude. I would love to have <laughs> grown up in this fucking house. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, but he, he, he changes games like all the time. And it's kind of irritating uh, because you know, it's like, I don't want to be digging through my closet all the time, whatever. So, at the last PS4 update, there was a little banner on the uh, that little, I don't know, cross-media bar for PS Now. And I had never really considered it before because, you know, I've played most of the games that were on there. I also have Gamefly, so I don't really have any need of that. And the idea of paying a monthly fee uh, for, you know, basically it's like Netflix for games, which in general sounds kind of good. But the downside is that it's streaming. So, like, you cannot download these games to your PS4. Like, it has to be streaming, which sucks. Because I don't think we have the worst connection in the world, but our connection is not great. And so whenever he's streaming something, like, basically nobody else in the house can do anything, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but I'm like, well, you know, he, he flits back and forth between games so much. I cannot buy him a game every time he wants to play something new because he just asks to play something new way too often. I, I would go broke. So I'm like, well, this might be a good fit for him, not for me and my wife, but for him. So I'm like, well, let's give it a try. Uh, there's like a seven-day free trial. We, I uh, signed up for it, and we started it. And I have to say, it's actually been pretty good, except for the streaming thing. I really wish they would let you download games, and then like once you stop paying, those games would be inactive, just kind of like how they do it with PS Plus. I think that would be a good solution. 
Um, but putting the streaming aside, there was actually a really good variety of games. They have PS2, PS3, and PS4. So it's kind of nice to have a wide uh, selection from the most current stuff to stuff that, you know, I might end up showing him if I had like all of my games out. So that was a, a good variety. And also, um, he just likes to just go back and forth. And so you can stream as much as you want. There's a limit. And for him to go back and forth and try, I mean, I think in the last two days, he's probably tried like maybe 20 games. So <laughs> the thought of me having to get up and go look for a game or like often he'll ask for a game that I don't have, or maybe he'll want a game that's like on my PS4, but it's not, but it's, it's not on his. And so like, I don't want him to play on mine because then I can't play on mine. And so, you know, there's all sorts of issues you run into when you were like a gaming family. Um, so I think that for him, for this moment right now, I think it's actually working pretty well. It's a little steep at $20 a month. I think that is actually pretty steep. Uh, but considering how often he's using it and how much he's using it, I think it's probably okay for now. Um, I mean, he just like, he'll go through. Um, and of course, there's like lots of stuff that's inappropriate. So we make sure to like screen it out for him and everything. But it, it's pretty good. I think it's uh, it's a pretty good service. There hasn't been a lot of lag. Um there hasn't been a lot of technical problems. It's been pretty smooth other than the fact that it like chews up our bandwidth. But, uh, you know, God, if they, if they, uh, let you download those games and if they made it just a little bit cheaper, I probably would recommend it to anybody. Cause I think that having that kind of a Netflix of games is actually pretty cool. I know people have been talking about it for a long time, but now that I've actually dipped in and kind of seen how well it can work. And now that my son is really happy, he's got like basically infinite games to play. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's not a perfect service. I definitely would like to tweak a few things, but um, not bad. Not bad. Have you ever uh, tried PS Now or have you considered it? Um, I I have considered it here and there. I've never tried it. But um, did you know that uh, Xbox One offers a service now that's just like it, but you get to download the games instead of stream it? I did know that, but there, I don't think there's anything on Xbox One that I want to play. I mean, I think it's a better service. That idea is better. Um, but yeah, we've only got... See, we've got like multiple PS4s in the house because that's our, our family system. So that's like more attractive right off the bat. And I've only got one Xbox One and I don't want my kid playing on my system all the time because then I never get to play. But yeah, it's it's a better idea. Xbox, I think, has been making some smart moves lately. I wish Sony would copy them in this instance. But anyway, maybe they will in the future. But uh, no, you never tried it though, PS Now? No, I haven't. Um, I think about it every once in a while. Um, I, I just think it sucks that like, Sony is kind of moving in the direction of like, you know, because if you if you open the the PlayStation Network on your PS3, you have like an entire library of games to buy for for the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 2 and the PlayStation 1 classics. But if you open, you know, your PlayStation 4 PSN, all you have is like PS4 games and maybe some like select like PS2 or maybe PS3 games. Um and, and basically, the PS Now is their, like, solution to that. They're like, oh, well, we don't need to have the library of games because you can just use our, like, dumb monthly streaming rental service. And I feel like Microsoft is kind of, like, eating Sony's lunch a little bit in that regard because they have, like, the new downloadable service that's monthly and they have, um, you know, backwards compatibility that's getting updated with new titles all the time. And it just sucks that Sony, like... You know, they're in first place. Obviously, they're selling the most consoles. Um, everybody, you know, seems to have jumped ship to the PlayStation 4 from the Xbox 360. And I feel like Sony is getting a little bit arrogant in that regard. And I think it... I, I hope that it catches up with them at some point and they realize that they need to open their catalog and not just do PS Now because I'm not interested in that at all. And I feel like... Like, I don't know how... I, I'm going to say this not knowing anything about porting games, but like... 
how hard can it be to port like the catalog that's already on the PSN for PlayStation three over to PlayStation four? Like, come on. Yeah. You know, I actually kind of agree. I think it's really ironic and actually kind of mind blowing that it seems like when you look at consoles, whoever is in the lead will inevitably completely like screw the pooch. Like the next time around, you know, like Microsoft was on top with their 60 undisputed leader, like by a wide margin. And they completely shit the bed with the Xbox one, you know, Sony completely fucked themselves with the PS three. And then they came back strong with the PS four. It's like, why can't you guys ever get your shit straight? Like you get it all good. You get it locked down. You get this lead. And then you like completely go nuts. The next generation, they get to back and forth ping ponging. It's ridiculous. I do think you're totally right though. I think that, um, Despite the Xbox One being a steaming turd when it launched, I think they're finally getting more gamer-friendly choices made lately. Um, I don't really use my Xbox One. I still don't like the Xbox One very much, but I do give them credit for that. I think they finally have got their head in a better place, and I think they're they're making choices which are more appealing um, to me. I think Sony would be really smart, just like you said, to kind of like take a few notes from them, start implementing some really player-friendly stuff. I know that like a lot of people say they want backwards compatibility, and maybe they just end up not doing it, or maybe they'll do it once and never really do it again. But it's such a nice thing. It's such a, a great bullet point to have on the back of the box, and it makes people feel good, you know? Like, it's just, just for the positive feeling alone, I think that would be worth it. And as far as PS Now goes, I mean, I I can't say this for sure, but as I was watching my son go through these games on PS Now, it seems like some of these have been reworked. I don't know if they're if they're reworking them specifically for ps now or what's going on exactly but some of these games look a lot better than i remember them looking before and it's almost like i think some of them have features that weren't there before i don't think they're doing that for every single game but i swear some of these games like let you save and i don't think they ever let you save like uh how they did before or it just seems like they're getting like kind of like polished or patched up a little bit i have to look into that i mean i may be imagining it but it's been really positive and it's almost like I wish they could do that PS now, like maybe combine it with PS plus, maybe just kind of make that whole thing, like make these games available. I mean, I think you should be able to buy them too, if you want to, but uh, just, just make that whole thing like one big package. Like if people are already on PSN, like throw in those games extra. And I think that would probably make a lot of people kind of let go of the backwards compatibility thing. If Sony is really dead set against doing it. I mean, I think they should, but if they're not gonna, I think this is kind of the next best thing. Uh, because it's really nice to have a lot of these games. I mean, we were playing PS2, PS3, and PS4 all in the same day, and it was so great to like not have to like hook anything else up, not have to go look through my different boxes of games. Um, you know, I love physical media, and I love having these things, but just for ease of use, and especially for a kid who's going to be spending 20 minutes with each game, um, <laughs> just having those things available was really great. So, I don't know. I think that there's... I think there's arguments to be made on both sides. I definitely think Microsoft is getting better. I think Sony needs to not be so arrogant. Um, but I think there's potential in this PS Now thing. It's not where it needs to be. It's not where I would want it to be, but I think there's potential. So I'm going to keep my eye on it. And for now, um, I think we're probably going to keep subscribing because my son is just playing too damn many games for me to cut him off now. Like He was <laughs> he was really enjoying it. So that kind of was worth it to me. Um, but we'll see how it goes. So that is the end of my banter. That is the end of your banter. We've got a lot of show left to go, so I think we should probably push <laughs> on. Um, folks listening, we have a couple of quick check-ins and maybe one slightly meatier topic to talk about. But I think in the interest of time and of sanity, we should maybe stay on the short side with these things. What do you think, Corey? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. All right, cool. Let's just do a couple quick check-ins, then we'll talk about the surge in a second. But, Corey, uh, you've been dipping into something recently. Uh, fill us in. 
I have. I, uh, like I mentioned a couple of shows before, uh, my partner Patrick is out of town. So I've had, you know, the whole house to myself for about two weeks at this point. I've got like one more week to go. And, you know, whenever he went out of town, I was thinking to myself, I, I was fresh off Mass Effect Andromeda and off of, um, I think I had played something else maybe shorter too, but I can't remember what it was. And, uh, and I was thinking to myself, like, I, I could use, like, another big, like, meaty game to play right now, you know, because I have plenty of time to sit around and do nothing. You know, I, I can play as much PlayStation as I want or as much Xbox as I want. And it never fails. I used to do this all the time on the Xbox 360, and I guess I'm going to start doing it on the PlayStation 4, too. Um, I put Deus Ex Mankind Divided in to start playing that again. And I used to play Deus Ex Human Revolution about once or twice a year since it came out up until about maybe three years ago. And uh, and yeah, I've been playing Mankind Divided. Um, I, I didn't play all of it. I played maybe like a quarter of it so far, so not a lot. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this it came out almost exactly a year ago uh, in August of 2016, um, made by Addis Montreal, published by Square Enix. And as far as I know, we're not getting any more Deus Ex basically anytime soon at any point because Mankind Divided did not do very well um, sales-wise. And also Square Enix has signed their big deal with Marvel now where they're doing like Marvel games for a while. So I'm pretty sure Addis Montreal is going to be like exclusively working on some kind of like Marvel video game crap, some kind of Avengers or something. Um, but yeah, like Deus Ex Mankind Divided. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before. Maybe I did on like the Game of the Year show. But uh, this game is... Uh, it is less good than Deus Ex Human Revolution in almost every single way, but I still really like playing it because it is very like therapeutic for me. It's a game where it has just the right kind of mechanics where I can just sink into it and just play it for a long time and sneak around and you know, be stealthy. And oh, I always tell myself on future playthroughs that I'm going to be like, guns blazing and like action and you know get the shotgun out instead of the silenced pistol and then i never ever ever do i always sneak around no matter what but um the control fluidity especially with uh upgrading from mankind divided over human revolution is just what really makes me want to play that game more because it is much more user-friendly um from a controlling standpoint as a stealth game or as a shooter or uh you know kind of anything in between whereas human revolution they they make you believe that you can play it as a shooter or play it as a stealthy game, but the control scheme really does not lend itself very well to playing it as as a shooter or as an action game. It lends itself about about as actiony as it gets as maybe like the Rainbow Six Vegas games, which I love, but those are very like paced cat and mouse style gameplays, so it's not really like a shooter. Whereas uh, Mankind Divided can be played a little bit more like a shooter. I just really enjoy it, and it's a very beautiful game. Like it's so. It has HDR um, for my 4K TV, and it's just, it's so beautiful in HDR that it's almost, like, distracting to play because it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I don't really know what else to say. I've just been diving back in and on that because I needed another big game to play to get lost in, and Deus Ex, like, it just never fails. Like, it's always the game that I can, it's like coming home for Christmas. It's, like, always the game that I can just come back to and just, like, fall right back in with, and it's, it's, like, it's like we were never apart. So is it like you played that because it's like a, a warm, cozy blanket or, or uh, a tasty bowl of macaroni and cheese, like something that's comforting? Or did you just just not have anything else around? I mean, was there nothing else handy that you uh, had an interest in? like, or, or is it just you just really needed a little bit of that flavor? 
Uh, well, it's kind of both. I mean, if I need a big game, because I mean, Deus Ex, we're talking like, you know, 30, maybe like 20 to 50 hours, depending on how slow you are. I just was looking for a game that I could play while I was home alone that I could just really dive into that would maybe take me the whole three weeks to play if I played it sparingly. But I also don't really have anything new to play right now. Um, like the games, I have a couple games from Gamefly. I need to finish Rise because I still, I haven't played it since we talked last. And I still, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I still have the Outlast collection with Outlast 1 and 2 from Gamefly right now, which I talked about like four shows ago and literally have not played since i need to just send it back to gamefly but i keep thinking oh maybe i'll play that maybe i'll finish it and i never do but i just don't feel like playing it and i don't really have anything else new to play right now so kind of both i guess fair enough man fair enough um yeah not my favorite i definitely preferred um human revolution or even the first deus ex i thought that was really good uh, but yeah, Mankind Divided just did not click for me. So um, I will let you enjoy that all on your own. <laughs> and uh, we're going to move on to my quick check-ins. <laughs> uh, first, I wanted to touch back in on Ronin, which we discussed on last episode. I actually just finished it today. Um, I was getting perfect on all the levels, which is actually a lot easier than it sounds because um, the checkpoints are quite generous in general. Uh, so I was, uh, you know, not... Certainly not, like, avoiding getting hit through every level. I mean, I was dying quite a bit, but you can just keep trying, keep trying. It doesn't penalize you for that, which is good. So I unlocked all the ninja powers. The ninja powers are really cool. Um, I think the game is awesome. I know you weren't too hot on it, but it, it really resonated with me very strongly. I really enjoyed it very, very much. Um, I got to the last level tonight. And I have to say, the only thing that I was a little bit disappointed about was they kind of changed the rules on you in the very last level, which I hate when a game does that, like... You've trained me to play a certain way the whole game. You've conditioned me to expect certain things. Don't don't yank that rug out from under me in the very last level. That's not a nice thing to do. Um, in the very last level, I mean, not really a spoiler, but like they all of a sudden give you no checkpoints. And they change how the life system works, where up until this point, if you get hit even once, you're dead. But in the final level, um, for dramatic purposes, you can take a couple of hits if you get hit you, there's a countdown that starts and you, uh, like, I guess you're bleeding out or something. So if you can kill someone before the counter gets down to zero, it'll restore the counter. So it'll let you keep going as long as you can keep, like, your combo going. Which is fine, but the game has not done that previously. That's not how the game works in the entire rest of the, of the game. So that was an unpleasant kind of change. And um, in order to get the good ending on uh, Ronin... You have to complete the last level and not get hit. At, like, you have to do, like, a, a perfect perfect. Like, you have to um, not get touched the entire way. There's no checkpoints, and it's really difficult. I mean, if you thought it was hard in the beginning, it's really hard at the end. So I was able to complete it uh, on the bad ending, which means I did get hit, but I kept killing... I killed enough guys in order to stay alive towards the end, which is fine. Um, that ending sucks shit. Like, there's, like... <laughs> it's just not even worth even doing, so... I'm going to keep trying uh, a little bit more. I may have to look at YouTube or something because I just, I tried it like a million times and I couldn't pull it off. So we'll see how that goes. A little bit of a bummer at the end, but I got to say, otherwise, that's a pretty superb game. I, I actually love that game. I think it's really well done. I think it's um, nearly perfect in execution. And I think that there's not really a lot to criticize about it other than that late game thing. So uh, really, really, really um, digging it a lot. I definitely recommend it to anybody who likes... Um, 
turn-based action, although that's not really a very big genre, or Ninja Games, or Shadow of the Ninja... Shadow of the... That's not right. What was that game that came out from Clay? Mark of the Ninja. Mark of the Ninja. Um, anybody who likes those kind of games, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I don't imagine you've uh, gone back to it since we talked last, Corey. Uh, no, I haven't. I probably will never go back to it. Not a problem. I didn't think so. This does not seem like a Corey-ass game. But it <laughs> is a Brad-ass game. Very much so. I really liked it a lot. Um, the other really quick check-in I want to do is for Fortnite. I talked about this last episode as well. Been putting a lot of time into Fortnite, and I understand the systems a lot better now than I did then because that game is deep. For a free-to-play game, uh, it's really, really deep and rich with like a lot of like a ton of systems going on and a lot of stuff to kind of manage and figure out. But basically, um, it's just a lot of fun. Like if you have at least one other person to play with, I think it's a really good thing. You can dip in for like an hour. Uh, collect some resources and you know it kind of triggers that little primal satisfaction in all of our brains just collecting things i mean i don't like to do it a lot but there is something kind of appealing about just like collecting resources and seeing the numbers go up a little bit and then you get your resources you build a little bit so that uses a different part of your brain you like build a little structure survey your your area whatever you need to defend kind of take in the lay of the land the geography figure out the best way to defend that section, which is always, it's always a little bit different. Each level is kind of randomly generated, so it's never the same thing twice. And then you finish up with just a bunch of shooting, a bunch of shooting and a bunch of sword swinging, and that's a good time, uh, <laughs> as I'm sure anyone can imagine. It's great. It's just really great. I think it's, um, it's not something that I would like want to play all day long, but I really like playing it for like an hour or two and just checking in every day, playing with my wife and my son. We're all like uh, grouping up on that. It's, it's a good time. Um, I don't think... It's quite ready for prime time. There's a little thing here and there that needs polish. Um, a few kind of unintuitive things that could be tweaked. Um, a few of the economical things, like how much something costs or how much resource you need for XYZ could be tweaked a little bit. But it's in really good shape. I mean, they're saying they're not going to formally launch it until 2018. So there's plenty of time for them to fix it based on player feedback. And uh, yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. It's really fun. It's kind of become our, our go-to in the house that used to be Overwatch. Um, but we kind of fell off of Overwatch because people are really, really good at Overwatch and we're just like, <laughs> okay at Overwatch. So um, still love Overwatch, but it's not fun to get your ass handed to you over and over. And in Fortnite, it's basically just co-op. Like there's no competing with others or anything. So that is kind of more appealing to us. So it's kind of become our de facto, de facto go-to game um good stuff i i'm still hesitant to recommend it i think the cheapest pack is i think 40 bucks which to me feels like too much i feel like that's too much because basically all you're getting is access to the game with a bunch of like free rewards tossed in but the rewards are pretty generous in the game and a lot of them are just like who cares like another gun another resource that you've already got 12 of another thing that you're probably not going to use so it's not like you get anything really super awesome and I think 40 bucks feels a little bit steep for access to what is eventually going to be a free-to-play game. Um, if they were selling it at, like, 20 right now, I would totally recommend it. Like, I think 20 is a real good price to get in on this. Uh, 40 feels like a bit much. And then they got, like, 80 100 $150 packs, which is absurd. It's just really absurd. So um, putting that stuff aside, I do think it's really, really fun. I, uh, I would definitely recommend you try it when it, uh, when it goes free-to-play, man. Yeah, I probably will. I'm still interested in jumping in on it with you and like your family and stuff. Because um, it sounds like it might be about 30% up my alley and I'll just have to like 
play it to see if it's better than I think it's going to be, or maybe it won't be my jam at all, but I'm definitely interested in it. Yeah, keep an eye out for it. Keep an eye out. So just a quick check in on that. I really love Ronin. I really recommend that. I'll be talking about it um, more, and I actually just wrote a review for it at Game Critics. Not up yet, but that review will be going up soon, and it's extremely favorable. Uh, and yeah, Fortnite is good stuff. Um, if this sounds like it's your jam, like you personally, Corey, or anybody listening, just keep an eye on it. I mean, um, I like I said, 40 is a little bit much. Maybe there'll be a sale. Maybe it'll go live sooner than 2018. Definitely something to keep an eye on, though, is if you've got friends that you like to play with. I think this is, it would not be good solo, uh, but as a group game, I think it's really good times. So that's all I had. Let's move on quickly to the next thing on our agenda that we both actually played, Corey. The Surge. There is a free demo on PS4. The Surge is developed by Deck 13 Interactive, published by Focus Home Interactive, Released May 2017 for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Thank you for the notes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a free demo. I played it today. Corey, you played it today. As a little bit of background, this is a Souls-like. Uh, Deck 13, as a studio, seems very, very smitten with Dark Souls. Their first game was Lords of the Fallen, which was a very obvious Dark Souls clone and not a very good one. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely horrible. Um, this is their second attempt at like getting a piece of that souls pie this time around. You play a really ugly white guy who is in a wheelchair and part of his, this gimmick is that he's in this exosuit, which lets him walk. This exosuit also has a lot of, um, stuff you can strap to it, like different technology to like buff yourself up. And then you go and do basically some souls like stuff. Um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Corey, um, I got some more stuff to say, but I know you're not really huge on the Souls formula in general. What did you make of the free demo of The Surge? Brad, you already know what I made of this demo. <laughs> I do, but I want to hear you say it anyway. Uh, it, uh, it's not my kind of game, I guess. Um, I don't I don't like this game. Um, <laughs> I just don't like it. It's it's everything. Whenever we talk about Dark Souls games, it's everything that I talk about that I don't like about these games, which is like you it's like third person action and if you get hit like twice by like any enemy, you're basically dead. You have a freaking stamina meter, so you can only attack, like, twice and dodge, maybe, before your stamina runs out. And you have a block button, but it's fucking worthless, because you still take a bunch of damage while you're blocking if you get hit, which really pisses me off. If you die, you drop all your shit, just like in Dark Souls, and you have, like, this really um, arbitrary time limit to go pick it up whenever... um, Whenever you die or else you, like, lose your shit, your, like, tech whatever the fuck it's called, your, like, tech bullshit stuff, um, and, uh, you, every time you walk down a hallway that you've been to before, the same fucking enemies respawn there every time, like, oh, I'm gonna go back to the save room and, like, strap this thing, craft this arm piece to strap to my arm, then you walk out of the save room and the guy you just killed 30 seconds ago has already respawned and they're waiting for you. And I, I just don't like it, but I, I have quite possibly, this will be a slight tangent, the biggest backhanded compliment 
I could give this game, and I and I mean this with all sincerity when I start talking about it, but it's gonna it's gonna sound rude, but I really do mean it. Are, are you ready for my backhanded compliment, Brad? I'm sitting down. I am at full attention. Yes, go ahead, sir. All right, so I give a lot, and I do this with every game I play. I give a lot of thought. This is gonna be really nerdy and really stupid. Uh, maybe maybe this will be interesting to somebody. Maybe it won't. Um, I give a lot of thought whenever I sit down with the game for the very first time to how the game immediately presents itself to you from the second you turn it on. And for most games, you turn it on, you have, if you're on PS4, you get the little splash screen that's built into the game, which I don't really count that as like the first impression because that's like a thing that every game has. And then for the most part, as soon as the game comes on, like the logo flashes on the screen, you know, like the the developer logo, the publisher logo, maybe the engine that it's in or something like that. And I know we're just talking about Deus Ex and the best, um, I think my favorite of those intros is uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution because the, the Idis Montreal um, or the Square Enix, I can't remember which one pops up first, like the logo pops up and the music, like the Deus Ex theme um, that, uh, I can't remember his first name, but, uh, his last name's McCann. Um, it's like Mike McCann or something like that. Um, that he built like, just kind of like very softly, like bellows in whenever the, the first developer splash screen comes up and it just like, it, it just like eases you into the feeling of the game so impeccably from the get go, from the developer, uh, screen coming up. And because uh, a lot of games don't really think about that, they, I, I feel like they don't really make a good very, very first impression, like before you even get to the title screen, first impression. But uh, I really like the surge that the title screen, how it presents itself when the developer screens pop up, because um, like uh, Deck 13, their logo pops up and it kind of like glitch flashes a little bit on the screen. And then it starts scrolling down as if it's like an old uh, kind of like CRTV um, computer screen kind of thing. And it's like a bunch of code that pops up underneath it. And then the code eventually forms uh, like Focus Home Interactive, their logo. I can't remember which one comes first. And then it, f uh, f it like fills in the other one and then the logo comes into place and then it like glitches a little bit and then it, it fades until you go to the title screen. And I really like that. I know that's a really nerdy and really stupid thing to like be excited about, but I always think about that whenever I start up a game is how the game presents itself to you from the second you like launch it. And this game <laughs> does a really good job of that. And then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> well, you know, life is all about the little things, Corey. If you can really find joy in the title cards of a game, then I'm not going to take that from you, sir. You can, you can have that and enjoy that. And I will celebrate that with you. Um, you know, as people listen to the show probably know, I do like, uh, third person action games. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I am a Souls fan, even though I'm actually really tired of it. Uh, really tired of talking about it. Really tired of people talking about it. Really tired of thinking <laughs> about it. I, I like it and I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that I don't like it, but, uh, I'm just, I need a break. I need a vacation from that. Uh, I also talked about Neo like 42 episodes in a row and I really like Neo a lot. <laughs> Um, but when I got to the surge, I was like, oh God, like, ugh. it's just, these guys like dark souls too much. Like they're not going off in their own direction enough. And I know that some people are like, well, that's, that's, how can you say that dark souls is like magic and armor? And this is like super high tech. And this guy's got like, you know, weird robot parts and it's totally different. Well, it doesn't feel different. It feels exactly like dark souls. 
And Dark Souls is already Dark Souls. We already have a Dark Souls. We don't need another thing that is exactly like it. That's why I like Neo, because even though it has some things in common with the Soul series, there's a lot that's different. Like, it goes off in its own direction. Like, it takes a little bit of inspiration, changes up a lot of the formula, changes the aesthetic, changes a lot of the mechanics. So it's, it's familiar in some ways, but it is actually quite different from the source material, which is great. I think that's what a developer should do when they are taking inspiration from something else, so obviously... Um, deck 13 does not go far enough uh, number one I think aesthetically this game is ugly as fuck like I don't <laughs> like the way it looks your main like number one you can't choose who your main character is which okay that's fine you say you're going to tell a story maybe that's true I kind of doubt it though like I kind of think that maybe they could have gotten away with a character creator um, so I don't like the way your guy looks uh, the armor and stuff, like the robot parts, it does not look cool. It doesn't look good. And in a third-person action game, as I as I often play, your character has to look cool. I want to look like a badass. I want to look like really, <laughs> you know, stylish or um, you know, attractive or strong. Or you want to, you know, you want to look cool because you're going to be looking at this character for the whole game. This guy does not look good. Uh, it just he just <laughs> looks like he's got these weird metal parts bolted onto him. Another thing. Really, I, this may be a small thing, but to me, it kind of speaks volumes about what the developers are thinking. I don't know if you noticed this, Corey. I'm sure that you did. But in the beginning, like I said, your guy's in a wheelchair. He's going to get this job because he wants this exosuit that'll let him walk again. Totally understandable. Um, I wish they had spent a little bit more time on that to like establish the story, establish his character. They spent very little time on it. Um, although I do give them props for letting you control him in the wheelchair for a little while. But when he goes to finally get his, his suit... Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, Corey, but he goes into the operating room. He's fucking fully clothed. He's got his jacket on, his pants on. He's got his shoes on, like everything on. And when the robots come to install the stuff on him, they fucking put a piece of metal on top of his jacket and bolt it straight through his jacket into his skin. <laughs> I'm like, this is not how you do surgery. What? F this guy's never going to be able to take his jacket off. I hope it's his favorite jacket because he's, he's it's part of him now. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> Why would they not have this guy, like, in a surgery theater, like, you know, stripped down naked like you are when you have surgery? It made no sense. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, God. If this is what they think is a good decision, this does not bode well for the rest of the game. Like, that just, to me, like, got off on the wrong foot. Um, but, yeah, I did like the way the guy looked. Uh, I got lost in the levels, even though the levels are not big. Like, I just thought they were very visually indistinct. Uh, I guess I, I found myself going in circles quite often and getting turned around and not really sure where I was supposed to go. And um, kind of like you said, like when I, I went back to the save room for the first time and I came back out and everybody had respawned, I was like, oh, God, like I know Souls gets away with that, but they kind of explain that because it's a real magical thing going to the bonfire where you do in Souls kind of, you know, resets the world. I mean, that's an established tradition with, with Souls. They have a very specific reason for doing it. And they also narratively try to tie it in, too. So they make an effort. But I see that as being a very, like, very Souls thing. And it doesn't fit with this, like, sci-fi vibe. Like, I mean, I, there's no reason why the guy who I just killed, who burned up into a pile of ash five seconds ago, <laughs> is all of a sudden back. Like, there's no justification given for it. And it doesn't fit the theme. Like, Souls is magic. I can let magic go. This is tech. It does not make sense in tech. Like that kind of like dissonance just like really stuck with me. So this game was like not, uh, not clicking with me on any level. You know, I got back to the save room and they wanted me like craft some stuff. I'm like, Oh fuck. I just, no, I'm just not, 
no crafting, uh, no, 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 no. So I, I deleted it like immediately. I didn't even finish the demo. I'm like, I'm not going to play this. I don't want to play this. <laughs> not going to put myself through it. And from what I've heard, I mean, some people said it was okay, but I heard a lot of the bosses were really tough. I heard the game was just generally way too hard, and that's not really what I like about Souls either. So I appreciate that Deck 13 must really be in love with Souls and they want to do something like it, but like this is not the way to go. You guys need to find your own direction. You need to find just your own path. Like, you know, be inspired. Like, be inspired. Take that energy that, that Souls fills you with and do something else. Don't do the exact same thing with, like, a palette swap of the skin. Don't stick so close to all the same mechanics. Just don't do that. So I I was... I'm glad that there was a demo. I'm really glad because this was on my Gamefly queue. Um, I was thinking about playing it, and I'm glad I didn't because, like, literally... 15 minutes was all I needed with it, and I'm not ever going to touch it again. <laughs> Are you going to be coming back to the Surge, Corey? I suspect you're not. Uh, never. But I do think it's hilarious that we both played this demo, and I spent the majority of my time talking about the fucking title cards for it, and you spent the majority of your time talking about, like, technical surgical procedures. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, I don't know, man. It's That's the kind of game it is where you get hung up on the details and you don't really want to talk about what the game actually is. So, eh, not a good look for Deck 13. Sorry, guys. Looks like you strike out again. All right, mm. we still have quite a bit of show left. Let's launch into it. Corey, uh, let's talk about the mid-year check-in. All right, let's talk about it. So it is currently the end of July. We're a little, maybe a, a tiny, a smidge past the mid-year, but uh, we've been planning this for a little bit. We just haven't gotten around to discussing it yet. But like Brad said earlier, a couple days ago on Twitter, he graciously asked people for their top three games of the year so far in 2017 and also asked what games coming out in quarter three and quarter four might shake that list up for them. And he fielded all the responses, and there were a lot of them. So uh, before we go any further, Brad, I just want to say thank you, because you did all the legwork. You, you tweeted the questions. All I did was retweet your tweet, and I have about a quarter of the followers you do. And you did all the legwork. You, uh, <laughs> you tallied all the lists. You analyzed everything. You got everything together. So thank you so much for that. Um, I have split the list into two. We have one list for the games that are already out um, and another list for the predictions on the shakeups for the last half of the year. Uh, Brad and I are going to read through these uh, lists and then we will discuss, uh, you know, the list and, and, you know, what we think and, you know, if we think anything's missing or something like that. And then we'll talk about our picks and our, um, our potential shakeups uh, after everything. And uh, if you follow the directions correctly to Brad's tweet and gave us three games, we uh, put them on the list. If you didn't, we might not have counted them. And this is also not a scientific, like, thing. Uh, We didn't do any score system or any, like, weight or anything to say if someone had, like, a first, second, and third game of the year, we didn't, like, give their first game any more points. We just weighed them all equally. So this is more of, like, a... So like a barometer of games, if you will, that have come out so far. Um, Brad, do you have anything uh, you want to add before we jump into the lists? Um, yeah, just a couple things. I mean, first off, thank you, everybody who contributed. We will um, name names at the end and give you a shout out as a thanks. Uh, always great to see, um, number one, a response. Number two, a tremendous response. We got so <laughs> many responses. I was like drowning in them. Um, so that was a lot of work, uh, but I'm very glad to do it. It was really exciting to get so many people who wanted to like throw their picks out. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff I love talking about. I mean, this is like this is like the meat and potatoes 
of just even being a gamer is like making a list, game of the year, ranking things. Like that's just what you do as a gamer. <laughs> like that's just part of it. It's like the DNA, man. This is the, 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 the good stuff. So I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but we did get a shitload of responses. So basically, just like Corey said, we counted them up and we, we took the top uh, we took the top picks. If there were some games that some like one person mentioned, we're not going to read those out because I got so many mentions. We can't read them out. There's just literally not enough time in the show. We're both going to run out of energy before we get to do it. It's just it's not going to be fun. So I apologize if you gave me a game and it's not read out, that means you were the only one who picked that game. So <laughs> anything that had only one vote was not counted. Just heads up on that. And otherwise, um, I think that's it. I I, uh, I think this is a pretty good kind of just yardstick as to how 2017 is doing. Um, some interesting picks, some not so interesting, some surprises, some not so surprising. So um, with that said, Corey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you read the ones that got more than one vote? All right, um, we're going to start from... Should I start from the least votes or start from the most votes, Brad? Start with the most votes, I think. And, and just to be clear, these are the ones that are already out. So these are the ones people have already played. I say start the, at, at the big and get small. Okay, okay. Um, I In general, I like to start small and get big, but I guess we'll... Uh, I'll reverse it this time that was supposed to be a dick joke i was thinking that was a dick joke but i was waiting to see where you're going to go with that <laughs> i didn't have like the end of that sentence planned out whenever i started it which is basically my entire life in a nutshell so that joke kind of fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> i would like to hear how reverse dick works i mean i don't i'm not familiar with that move but maybe we can send me a link or something after the it's, show because i don't know how that works but anyway it's in the uh <laughs> the gay kama sutra book it's called the reverse dick <laughs> <laughs> I have many, many ideas on how that works, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Uh, we're we're going to go ahead with our list. Corey, All right, sir, okay. what, is, uh, what, is at the t- what got the most votes in terms of 2017 potential game of the year? All right, all right, all right. So coming as probably no surprise to anyone ever who is uh, alive right now and has played a video game in the past year, the number one game that got the most mentions was Zelda Breath of the Wild. There were 19 mentions of that on people's lists. Then after that was Persona 5 with 11 mentions. Then Horizon Zero Dawn with 10. Splatoon 2 with 7. Nier Automata with 5. Neo with 4. Resident Evil 7 with 4 votes. Tekken 7 with 4 votes, Injustice 2 also with 4 votes, Yakuza 0 with 3 votes, Night in the Woods with 3 votes, Late Shift with 2, uh, Final Fantasy 12 Zodiac Age with 2, Fire Emblem Echoes with 2, Little Nightmares with 2, and last but not least, Snake Pass with 2. Interesting, interesting. So this was a pretty good, actually like a bigger spread than I thought. I mean, I don't know about you, but I knew for a fact Zelda was going to be just um, the number one pick. That's kind of why I wanted you to read it first, because it's like a like a total no-duh. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's going to be on everybody's game of the year list. Um, you know, there, there's a good argument to be made, so that is not surprising. Um, I will say, though, that uh, I was a little bit surprised Persona 5 ranked as number two in our very unscientific poll. Um, I didn't actually care for Persona 5 that much. I bounced off of it, stopped playing, and a lot of my friends who have played it, like me, really wanted to get on that train and wanted to ride that, but a lot of us were kind of like, mm, not feeling it right now, and especially since it's so long. Like, I hear 
it's very, very common to have, have over 100 hours, which, you know, isn't surprising for the Persona series, but if it's not that great, all of a sudden 100 hours seems a lot longer than it might have if you were enjoying it that whole time. Um, other surprises, I mean, I knew Nier, Nier was going to be there, but I'm surprised to see Injustice 2. That's a surprise. And at the bottom of the list, one thing that I actually have really had my eye on, I don't know if you've heard about this, Corey, but Late Shift, I'm really glad to see people mention that. Have you read up on Late Shift or do you know about it? I have because much like The Bunker, it is one of those FMV games and this goes on sale every once in a while on PSN and I think about buying it and I don't, but uh, I am definitely, it's it's on my radar right now. Yeah, you know, I ended up picking it up on Xbox One when it was dirt cheap and I was kicking myself because it went on sale on PS4 like the very next week, which sucked. <laughs> it always happens. Oh God, always happens. But yeah, this is an FMV game where I think the gist is you are a guy who gets roped into like a car theft. And I guess you just have like this wild night of hijinks. And so you kind of make decisions quickly about what you want to do. Um, kind of like a telltale game, but like with live action um, FMV. Everybody that's played it has really liked it a lot. And I'm really curious. Um, I like the bunker a lot. And I would be up for something of similar quality. And people are saying this is a really good one. So I, I did buy it. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I will play it before December, um, especially since it's so short. But um what, anything on the list that was really shocking to you or anything that you just didn't see coming? Um, I was a little bit surprised by... Um, there's a few that I was a little bit surprised by. Um, like Snake Pass. I mean, it only got two votes, so it's not like, you know, at the top of the list or anything. Um, and Justice 2 and Tekken 7 I was a little surprised by. And also, I mean... Splatoon 2 is like the fourth game on this list from the top. And I mean, like, I'm sure Splatoon 2 is like fun and everything, but it's just like and like Nintendo's version of kind of like an online shooter. Like, is there any meat to this game that I don't know about? I'm just surprised that like that, like something that I mean, maybe I shouldn't be surprised because after like Overwatch's success last year, like anything can happen. But I just have a hard time like you know, uh, I don't know, believing that just like kind of like a little competitive shooter e-game could be that like that somebody could play it and be like, wow, this is game of the year. But I mean, I'm probably being pretty narrow minded whenever I say that. Well, I don't know about that, man. I think actually Splatoon made out a little bit because it just came out so recently. I think we're still riding that like new release wave when everybody's like totally in love with the game. And, you know, I bet if we had asked this question six weeks later, we wouldn't we would have gotten much fewer mentions. I mean, I thought Splatoon number one was like fine. Like it's really cute. I think the Squid Kids are pretty cute, um, but I didn't like playing it that much. I actually, as a matter of fact, I like playing the campaign more than the online multiplayer. Uh, and Splatoon two is like you know yeah I'm sure I'll pick it up someday. Like after I buy a Switch, like I'll just have it I guess. But uh, it just to me seems like more of the same. So I was a little bit surprised to see that rank so highly. But I think it's because it just came out. Um, I think. Uh, you know, by the time December rolls around, I think people will have cooled off. I mean, it's it'll have a good following. I think the first one did, too. And people really want something to play on the Switch. But uh, I'm just I'm not really super excited for it. And I'm not really uh, yeah that keen. I was kind of surprised that ARMS did not show up at all. I mean, people who played ARMS really liked it. And that's a new thing. It seems fresher. It seems a little bit more interesting to me than Splatoon does. I thought somebody would have mentioned it. It did not get even one vote, which I was actually oh. really surprised about. So that kind of that kind of took me a surprise. I thought Arms would um, outpace Splatoon, but I guess people like squids more than they like stretchy stretchy arms. Um, um, I, I'm not surprised to see Horizon Zero Dawn rank so highly. Like it was number three on our list, but 
but I really didn't like that game a lot. And I know you liked it too, but did you, are you surprised to see it rank at number three? I mean, given the general consensus reactions on Twitter about it, I'm not surprised to see it up there. It, uh, I, I don't have my like ranked list right in front of me in my personal games, but I'm pretty sure Horizon is like, like dead center between like my favorite game and my least favorite game of the year, just because, just because to me, Horizon, there's like not really anything special about Horizon Zero Dawn. If you've played any open world game in the past like ten years, it's basically just like that and i i value originality and like uniqueness when it comes to uh when it comes to me ranking games or i try to at least and so but i'm not surprised because everybody's like you know jizzing themselves over horizon so i mean i kind of expected it to be pretty high i i'm actually surprised that persona is above horizon because i thought more people would be interested in horizon than persona but here we are well, they've got a pretty dedicated fan base, and to be fair, the previous games, um, Persona 3 and 4, were both really excellent. Um, you know, I didn't get very far in Persona 5, but the people I trust say it doesn't match up to those, but, you know, people really like Persona a lot for a lot of reasons, so I'm not too shocked, but um, I was a little bit surprised to see only five votes for Nier Automata. People could not shut the fuck up about that game for, like, the first <laughs> half of the year. It was all... We heard about, I had, I had so many uh, nasty emails, so much hate mail for my negative review of that game. Oh my God. It, this was like, it was, it was incessant. It was never ending. I thought we would see more love for Nier, but uh, maybe, you know, it seems like one of those things where I think people wanted to love it more than they should because they were sorry they missed out on Nier the first time around. I mean, maybe that's presumptuous of me, uh, but I think the first Nier has more to celebrate than Automata does. Uh, and so maybe now people just want to like give it a you know like a a makeup award because they didn't uh, give it the props it needed the first time. Uh, Night in the Woods. Have you played Night in the Woods? I haven't. It's been on my radar since it came out, and I'm really interested in it. But I'm not gonna pay full price for it. So if it goes on a good sale, I will try to pick it up. But uh, I am I'm definitely interested in it. Same. I've been hearing good things. I'm not exactly sure it's gonna be my jam because. I've been kind of striking out lately on games where like conversation is the main um, main input or main draw. Uh, did not have a great time with uh, what's that game that we played where you were the kids on the island. They were like partying and then it got all kind of oh, spooky. Oh god! Ugh. What the fuck was I that can't game remember. called? Uh, fucking pretentious teenage dialogue yes, game number yes. 412. It was really bad. I'm afraid Night in the Woods is going to be more of that game. And I'm sure the people <laughs> listening are like, what the, What are these guys talking about? What game are they talking about? Uh, whatever that it was like, a bunch of kids go to an island to, to get drunk and they unleash a ghost and then it gets spooky and all you do is walk around and talk. What the fuck is it called? Oh I God. can't remember. I can see it. I can't I can... remember it either. Anyway, you know what I'm talking oxen about. Free, oxen, oxen free. Oxen free. Fuck oxen oh, free. God. I hate that game. I hate that game too. I'm glad you hate that game. <laughs> I love that you hate that game. I love your hate for that game. Um, so I'm hoping that Night in the Woods is not Oxen Free Part 2 because I hated Oxen Free. Um, but a lot of people have been loving Night in the Woods. Although a lot of people loved Oxen Free. So I'm a little uh, yep, bit gun shy. A little bit gun shy. I'm waiting for a sale. It has not gone on sale yet, but I check it out. Um, a couple more call-outs real quick before we move on. Little Nightmares. Have you played Little Nightmares? No, I'm super interested in it, though. Ever since we, uh, you talked about it on the show, I've had my eye on it, and I definitely want to play it. I just haven't yet. I haven't bought it or anything yet. I think it's on my Gamefly queue, but as you can tell, I'm clinging to a bunch of games that I'm never going to play that I have from Gamefly right now, like Outlast 2, instead of just sending it back to try to get one of these better games that I know I'm more interested in. Yeah, you got to just send that shit back, dude. But you got to get to Little Nightmares. It's really, really good. I really liked it a lot. 
creepy as fuck. It's really creepy. Like, it's not jump scare or it's not like a traditional horror game, but man, so much of it is really just really unsettling and so interesting visually. Like, it's very strong visually. Uh, I liked it a lot. I'm really glad to see that other people have called out Little Nightmares. I do not agree with Snake Pass, though. You guys are nuts. Anybody... <laughs> like, Snake Pass is so cute. Like, it's very cute and very um, attractive looking. The control scheme is just fucking shit on that game, and it's really hard. It's just really, really hard. I think the developers went in the total wrong direction with that. I wished it was going to be more of a friendly, fun, approachable platformer, and instead your fingers are fucking pretzels trying to <laughs> fight the game's weird-ass physics, and uh, it was not good. I really... You guys are nuts, man. I don't know why you guys are calling that out. So, um, Other than that, I can't say that uh, I've got too much else to say. Any last call-outs before we move on, Corey? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right, cool. Um, I will let you read the list, but this next topic are the potential shakeups. The list we just read were games that were already out. But as we have stated, we are only about halfway through the year. Still a lot of time left in the year for surprise entries, for dark horses, for things to come out of nowhere, come out of left field. We don't know what's going to be good, but I think we can take a few guesses. That was another part of the question I asked people on Twitter. And a lot of people had a lot of guesses as to what they think might be on their game of the year list by the time December rolls around. Corey, do you want to take us through the list? Indeed. I will start from the top. And also, kind of not surprising, uh, the top game on the list is Super Mario Odyssey for Switch. It had 12 mentions uh next up is uncharted lost legacy with three mentions we jump from 12 mentions to three in uh in one game yeah big gap there <laughs> real big gap and then uh wolfenstein 2 the new colossus had three mentions also uh xenoblade chronicles 2 again with three mentions uh daganrampa 3 with two mentions uh the mario and rabbits game with two mentions and we're gonna round it out with metroid samus returns with two mentions yeah man so that's a pretty nintendo heavy list seems like the nintendo fans were out in force repping for the upcoming titles always full of hope those nintendo fans you gotta love it about them <laughs> Not surprising to see Mario Odyssey. I mean, I think everybody's expecting that to be the traditional, hey, it's Mario, you got to play it, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I hope so. But I don't know, man. I don't really even know what that game is, honestly. I mean, are you interested in Mario Odyssey? What do you, what do you, what's your take on it? Uh, no. I mean, I don't have a Switch. I'm not planning on getting a Switch anytime soon. And even if I had one, I, I just, I mean, I've said it on the show a thousand times before, like, most Nintendo first-party franchises are just not interesting to me, and I'm not interested in playing them. And I am, as usual, not interested in uh, Super Mario Odyssey. I'll play it. I mean, I'm hoping it'll be good, um, but I'm not, like, really psyched for it, and uh, we'll, we'll see. It seems kind of experimental. Not really too sure about how that's going to go. Also, I got to say, I kind of took offense at Mario wearing that, like, sombrero running through the desert. <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck? Like... <laughs> That just seemed kind of like racist, like over the line to me. Uh, I, maybe some people disagree, but I'm like, that was not cool. I did, I was not down with Mario, Mexican Mario and his fucking sombrero <laughs> and whatever. I was like, this is bullshit. Um, I am. I'm happy to see Uncharted Lost Legacy up there. I'm not an Uncharted fan, but I'm very interested in Lost Legacy because I did like Chloe and the idea of an Uncharted bite-sized game, which hopefully has less of the bloat and fat those games are known for. And headed up by two ladies. That's really interesting to me. That seems like a like a 
something that's really full of promise. If they keep it as nice and tight and as exciting as they did with the DLC for um, The Last of Us, that might be something special. I imagine you're on board. I am on board. Uh, spoiler alert, Uncharted Lost Legacy might appear in my personal shakeups list whenever we talk about it later. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, let's see, what else is on the list? Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I never played the first one. Did you play Xenoblade Chronicles? Uh, no. I've only, the, the only thing I know about Xenoblade is the Xenoblade Chronicles cover for Wii U, like, with the mech suit on it. That's, like, isn't it just, like, a turn-based RPG with, like, mech suits and shit? No, that's, you're thinking no? of Xenoblade. No, it's, uh, it's an open ah, world. It. It's got a very MMO feel to it, and it's, like, oh. a lot of exploration. But that's, this is a different one because it's confusing. There's Xenoblade Chronicles, but then there's also Xenoblade Xenosaga something something xeno saga is the i get these confused people think we don't know what the fuck we're talking about and we don't we don't know xenoblade chronicles is the turn-based rpg xeno saga the one that you're talking about is the open world mmo with mech suits and stuff i don't know if they're related or what's going on or what the deal is weird the names are very similar but yeah they're kind of different but this is the one i think that's more jrpg ish standard jrpg and i believe that um a lot of my friends who are jrpg fans are psyched about this one i never played the first one uh, kind of don't care because I'm not really into JRPGs these <laughs> days, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the picks, not too surprising. Don't have much else to say on those. Any uh, final comment before we talk about our own picks? I'm surprised you didn't say anything about Danganronpa because you really like those games, right? I do love the Danganronpa games. Um, happy to see them mentioned. I don't have a lot to say because I kind of feel like the developers of Danganronpa with one and two, one was amazing. Two was also amazing. And I'm like, wow, how, <laughs> how excellent is it that these guys had two amazing games back to back? Then they put out a third one, which was kind of like a spinoff. Uh, it was called uh, something, something, something. It had girls in the title, like Danganronpa, whatever. People know it's like a third person, um, kind of an action-ish game, which was a spinoff. Not amazing. Um, the gameplay was just kind of okay and the story was nowhere near up to the standard set by the first two so i'm a little bit worried honestly um i don't know how they're going to top one and two because one and two were phenomenal i thought they were just amazing i'm not sure where else they can go and i really hope that they're not just doing a cash in because the series is hot um i'm, I'm glad to see it getting love i'm going to be there on day one but i'm a little bit nervous uh, I, at whenever I was at MechaCon over the weekend, there was actually a Danganronpa panel that I did not go to, but when I saw it on the schedule, I thought of you, Brad. That would have been interesting. I would have liked to have seen that. I would like, kind of wonder what they would talk about, but oh well. I will never know. I will never <laughs> know. So now that we've heard from people about what's on their game of the year list and what might be on their game of the year list, I think it's probably time to turn inwards, Corey. Let's look deep within ourselves. And let's look at our own lists, uh, both what we already have played, what's out, and what we think might be a shakeup for the year. Uh, would you like to go first, sir? Mm, shall I go first? Do you want me to go first? Go first. Okay, okay, okay. So my my top games of the year so far, um, see, two out of three of these nobody mentioned, so I feel like, I feel simultaneously cool and terrible for these. Um my, my game of the year so far is What Remains of Edith Finch, like Fosho. My number two game of the year so far is Prey. And my number three game of the year so far is Resident Evil 7. 
Okay, so Prey and Edith Finch, both of those did get mentioned. They both got one vote apiece, so that's why I didn't oh, include them. So that okay. that makes two. So you're not alone, but yeah, those are definitely on the low end. And a Resident Evil 7, huh, interesting that you would pick that one. I When we talked about it in the show, it seemed like you had just as much um, that you didn't like as, as you did. It's true. I mean, I have a lot of, like, major story problems with that game, but it's one of those games and i tend to do this where like i really like a game but i also have a lot of problems with it that's kind of how i feel about deus ex mankind divided too like overall very enjoyable but i have like a lot of little problems it's pretty much the same thing with resident evil 7 but i just i don't think i've played anything that i enjoy more than resident evil 7 other than the other two games so far this year so um yeah it's it's firmly planted at three could potentially go down depending on the rest of the year stuff but um I, I feel i feel good about where it's at right now okay okay that makes sense um i know that you loved edith finch and uh prey it's interesting that prey is already really cheap on sale um i didn't apparently didn't do very well and i see yeah. a lot of it's like there's a hardcore group of, of people that i know who like think it's the best thing ever and a lot of people were just kind of meh on that. So I know that you're definitely in the, the love group. But um, tell us again really quickly what you liked most about it. Uh, I just like um, just sort of like the world that exists in it, being able to explore the station at your own pace. And I mean, although it is a reboot for a franchise, it feels like a fresh IP. Like it feels like cause it's pretty much like about as fresh a reboot as you can possibly get. Um, I just I, I like exploring the station. I like meeting the people on the station, um, exploring everything, the, the art design, the um, mystery around the station. Um, I just really like the world that they built for that game, even if the combat wasn't like stellar and um, even if it only sold probably like 35 copies, I, I firmly believe that Prey is incredible. If it's the kind of game that you like, you know, like a like a Dishonored or like a Deus Ex or like a Half-Life 2, um, totally, totally think you'll like Prey. All right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. I'll give my, um, not necessarily a top three, like these are just like three in no particular order. And this is actually an interesting year for me because I've heard a lot of people say that they feel like 2017 is one of the best years ever for games. And I know, you know, hyperbole, blah, blah, blah. They say every year is the best year ever. But I know a lot of people... Um, were really high on a lot of games that actually did not click with me. Like, for example, um, you know, I haven't, uh, I played the demo Prey and decided I didn't want to play more. I did not like Horizon. I did not get on with Nier. So there's a lot of games that people have already slotted that to me uh, just didn't make the cut. And so my, my top 10 is fairly spare right now. I don't think I even have 10 on it. Um, so these games I'm about to mention are on there because, uh, because I like them, but also because nothing has knocked them out yet. So this is not like a hardcore, you know, locked in top three. Um, so my first one, I'm going to have to just go with the crowd and say Zelda. Um, it's not a perfect game. I, I, there's a couple things I really, really dislike about it, but I think that the things it gets right, it does really, really well. I think um, the exploration is really fun. I think the interaction, the level of interaction with things is really fun. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely the Zelda game I have enjoyed the most, uh, probably since Wind Waker. Um, and I liked it a lot. I mean, there was a lot of cool things to, to dig about it. Um, I didn't like the weapon degradation. Um, I didn't like the combat system very much. I didn't like, um, well, you know, little lots of little things. But overall, uh, I do think it's worthy of the accolades. I think for sure that one's going to be in my top ten. It may not be at number one, but it'll be in my top ten. 
Uh, I do so far have Little Nightmares slotted in my in my top ten as well. I love that game. It's just really creepy, really great visuals, really interesting. Um, it's not what you think it is, even though it kind of is, but it's really not. <laughs> and just man, some of that stuff it just really skeeved me the fuck out, which is good because I don't really play a lot of scary games these days. But it really did kind of stick with me. Even now, I can easily remember a couple scenes from that game where it's just like, ugh, man, like really kind of got under my skin. So um, I definitely like Little Nightmares a lot. Uh, the last one is, uh, believe it or not, Cryptarch. I really like Cryptarch. I know that when we talked about it on the show, at first I was kind of half and a half on it. Uh, I gave a check-in where I really warmed up to it. Uh, after I had finished it, uh, I don't think we've, I don't think I mentioned, did I mention I finished it on the show? Did I say that? Uh, was this the one where you got to like the last level and there was like a glitch in it or something? Or am I yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got past that, eventually finished the game. And I got to say, like, as far as roguelikes go, it's really, really well done. I really like it a lot because, um, there's lots of different, uh, randomized elements that make it fun to play because it's never really the same run twice. There's lots of different weapons. And so depending on what weapon you pick up, keeps it fresh. Also, uh, it's it's short. Like, some roguelikes just take too fucking long to get through, and that's really a problem. <laughs> These are games where if you die, you don't want to spend, like, a lot of time getting back to where you were. And you can finish a run, like, from start to finish in Cryptarch if you have good luck and if you play well. I mean, you can finish the thing in, like, half an hour? So that's, like, a really, really compact playtime to go from 0 to 100 and finish it. Uh, I just think it's really well done. It's a little bit buggy still, and there's a couple things I'd like to tweak, but overall, I liked it. And one of the things I liked most about it, which I don't think I even mentioned last time we talked about it, but every once in a while, you'll have a challenge where you need to fulfill a certain thing like don't use any grenades or don't get hit or don't use any, you know, lasers or something, whatever. They'll give you some random challenge. And some are definitely a lot harder than others. But if you can complete those challenges, you get like an artifact. And these artifacts, at first, it, you don't really get what's going on because they're just like this doodad, and it has a little bit of um, text attached to it. The people that you talk to on the ship will say, oh, yeah, this is a so-and-so thing, and they used it for so-and-so. Like, you know, whatever. No big deal. But what I didn't realize was that as you keep collecting these artifacts, they all come together to make one long story. So it actually ended up being really cool and eventually told the story of the game, whereas in the beginning, I didn't think there even was a story. So... It took a while to unlock and it takes some work to unlock. But once it started finally coming together, I thought it was actually really well done. And I really liked the tale it was telling. And I really liked how you did it. Like it felt very organic and natural. And it just really gave one extra layer of consideration to the game, which I, I liked a lot. So those are those are three of my top 10. Those are not my top three. Uh, and I don't know what position they will be in or if they will even be on my final top 10. We will find out in December. But that's kind of where I'm at right now let's talk about shakeups what is coming up in the rest of the year Corey, that you think might have a chance at making your top 10 what do you got all right i've got a handful of games here um i'll go ahead and mention uncharted lost legacy because uh we talked about it a few minutes ago um basically for all the reasons you said earlier like i think that the last of us left behind dlc is better than the last of us the entire game and oh, sure. i'm kind of hoping oh, sure. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping the same thing will happen with Lost Legacy because I don't mind the Uncharted games. I don't think they're deserving of the accolades that everybody gives them, but I I like the idea of just a shorter, snappier, um, less bloated Uncharted chapter. So hopefully the Lost Legacy will give that to me. Um, also, uh, tentatively looking forward to Tacoma, which is 
Fulbright's next game, Fulbright did Gone Home, and I did not like Gone Home. Um, I know people, that's like people, what they hold up is their like holy grail of walking sim, but I thought Gone Home was really boring, and I thought the conclusion of the game was just a really bad punchline for sort of like a certain demographic of people. I'm not gonna um, spoil it or anything, but I, I didn't like that game. I thought it was boring. Um, but I do think Tacoma looks interesting. It's like on a space station, so it's like sci-fi, futuristic, which is, you know, always more interesting to me than, you know, walking around like a boring house. Um, two more. One, uh, Dishonored Death of the Outsider is the standalone uh, sort of uh, Dishonored, uh, I guess it's kind of like a DLC. It's kind of on the same level as Uncharted Lost Legacy, where you play as the outsider, um, not, not the outsider, you uh, play as... Uh, Billy Lurk, who is in Dishonored 2. She's kind of a companion in Dishonored 2. She's voiced by Rosario Dawson. And I loved uh, the first Dishonored. I really liked the second Dishonored, even though it was just like more of the same. And I'm really looking forward to Death of the Outsider. Um, I think that Bethesda in general makes very good DLC for their games. So I am excited about this being a nice like standalone chapter. And... Uh, I think last but not least, this is something I haven't talked about for a while, but um, a game called Observer, which is a first-person horror game uh, developed by the Bloober team, which is the dumbest development team name ever, uh, which are the people that uh, developed Layers of Fear. Um, I loved Layers of Fear. It was pretty much more or less just what I wanted out of like a first person horror game and Observer is basically taking the layers of fear model of like PT and amnesia like first person horror and it's uh, it's in like a sci-fi universe where I think you have cybernetic stuff in your body and like people can hack parts of your body in order to like inflict fearful situations on you at least that's what it it sounds like there's not a whole lot of info out and the last I read, it was supposed to be out during the summer of this year, but I haven't heard anything about it. So um, hopefully it's still coming out soon because I'm really, that's probably like the game I'm most looking forward to right now this year. Um, and I hope that it delivers the same sort of tension that Layers of Fear, uh, the Layers of Fear did. And a couple of small mentions, um, Late Shift and Little Nightmares that we talked about earlier. I want to play those before the end of the year. Don't know if they'll make it into like my top five or top 10 or something, but I, I would like to play both of those as well. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I was just checking uh, my list. I think Observer is is coming out very soon, I believe. Uh, that's still oh, a thing it? that's, yeah, that's the thing that's definitely happening. So that's okay, good, good, good. still on the horizon very, very soon. Um, I will give my uh, three shakeups. I got I to gotta be honest with you. I got to be honest. I looked at the list of stuff that was coming up and there wasn't a lot of stuff that really got me super psyched. I mean, to be fair, though, there's always some surprises. There's always lots of surprises that pop up, like games that I didn't know were coming, games I didn't hear about, games that were not announced. There's always a bunch of stuff that's coming that you just don't know. So I'm really looking forward to being surprised and I'm sure that I will be. Uh, but out of the stuff that was announced, I picked three. Uh, the first one is called Vampyr, V-A-M-P-Y-R. This is kind of like, a, I guess, like an RPG type game, maybe action RPG, where you play as a vampire, which I think vampires, despite, you know, how famous they are and how often they pop up in popular media, I don't think that games have really done justice to vampires. Like, there's not a lot of games where you really feel like you're a vampire or you explore that material. I mean, there's been a few, uh, but I think there should be more. Uh, so this is one where I think you can... Um, 
make a lot of choices and the choices that you make will affect like the whole city that you're in. Like, you know, who do you eat? Who do you not eat? Are you a good vampire? Are you a bad vampire? Like, you know, all sorts of things. I think that's a really fertile ground. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. I never got a chance to play um, Bloodlines or Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Everybody I talked to says that's a great one. And I've read up on it. Um, I didn't have a PC at the time, so I couldn't play it. And I'm a little bit concerned that if I went to it now, it might be difficult to get through. Um, but I, that's still on my list. And in the meantime, I am looking forward to Vampire. Uh, the next one is Call of Cthulhu, which is coming from Frogwares, who actually make the Sherlock Holmes games. Have you played any of the Sherlock Holmes games? I have not. Damn, dude, they are actually a lot better than you think they are. They're actually really, really good. I am not, in general, a Sherlock Holmes fan, but I tried one on a Lark a while ago. I think it was on 360, and I was like, wow, this is actually really fun. Like, it's really well done. The writing's great. The voice acting's great. Like, it just really came together. Um, not exactly a point and click, but enough of a point and click to be familiar to those people who are, are into that genre, but different enough to appeal to someone like me who's not really a big fan of point and clicks. Um, I thought they were really well done. And the thought of those same people making a Call of Cthulhu game gets me really, really excited. I mean, I'm a big Cthulhu fan. There have not been a lot of really great Cthulhu games uh, because they usually add a lot of action or a lot of uh, gunplay, which doesn't really belong in that kind of a story. Um, and knowing that the Sherlock Holmes games are, for the largest part, just talking, investigating, looking around, exploring, that is a better fit for uh, Lovecraft stuff than Gunplay is. So I'm really excited uh, for this one very, very much. I hope that they um, deliver a game that is as good as what they've been turning out with Sherlock. If they do, that's going to be a phenomenal game. Uh, the last game I picked was Tokyo Tattoo Girls, uh, which is coming out for Vita and I think <laughs> PS4. Got to be honest with you. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know a fucking thing about it, but I couldn't find anything else on the list. And with that title, I mean, how can you not be interested in that? Tokyo Tattoo Girls summons up all sorts of mental imagery. Could be about all sorts of things. I don't even know. Could be dating sim. Could be a shooter. Could be a racing game. Who knows? I don't know, but I love the title and I'm going to check it out just because. So that's uh, what I had for my shakeups. Any last comments before we say thank you to everybody who contributed, Corey? Any wrap up? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm pretty pretty well set in everything that we discussed. Well, you know, it's going to be ironic. We're going to get to December, and none of the games we talked about are going to be on our top tens. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a complete left turn from both of us. Um, oh, God, I hope not. Well, we shall see. We have a, a listener question coming up, but right before we get to that, I want to give many thanks to everyone who contributed. We both want to give thanks. It is a huge list of names. I'm going to get through as quick as I can. So, uh, in no particular order... At Stayed Con, Drew Roland, at 99 Dexterity, at Lord NBZ, Joshua Jackson, Gabriel Romo, Dan Boys, at Nicarilla, Josh Nichols, AJ Small, Paolo Neri, Cliff Goldsmith, Matt Kaplan, Kenneth Shepard, at Defunct Games, at NES Frogman, at Katamari's Forever, at Zolbrod, at A Laughing Buddha, at Stealth, what up, Stealth? Joshua Carter, Louis Fiatro, at SF Trilby, at Onyx Oblivion, Austin Parkin, Andrew Brown, Jim Bevan, at Donald Mick, at VOF Escaflown, at Cherry Ray. Hey, Cherry, thanks for listening. At Matt Clark, at Daxter23Jack, at Andy Scout, at Riskman64, at Rocky Mountain Cyclops, Andy Corrigan, and at Real EDC30. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you all very much for contributing. We could not have done this segment without you. And... <laughs> 
Before we wrap up the show tonight, we did have a question sent in by superfan Joshua Jackson. Hello, Joshua Jackson. Thank you for your question. Really appreciate it. He asks to you and I, sir, what is the worst game that you still just love for whatever reason? My guilty pleasure, Tulip for the PS2. Now that was Joshua's, not mine. He was saying that. So Joshua <laughs> loves Tulip. That is actually a terrible game. I, that is a really bad game. <laughs> but I get why he loves it because it is really kooky and cute. So Corey, go first. What is your terrible game that you still love? What is your guilty pleasure? Uh, okay, I, I couldn't decide on one. And to be honest, I just kind of looked through the games on my shelf and picked out three that I thought maybe weren't like super well regarded. But to be honest, if a game, if I like a game, then I like it and I think it's good. Like that's just sort of how I think about games. So like a couple of these picks are like, I think like good to well-reviewed games, but I feel like that they got kind of like shit on by some people. Um, but I'll just get into it without a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. Um, the first game, which I've talked about several times on the show before is the order 1886. It is a very, uh cover shootery ass cover shooter game there's not really anything special about it other than the fact that it's like one of the most beautiful games i've ever played but i i do love that game i think it's lovely i don't think it's a terrible game but i just thought about it because people like to shit on it um another title that i picked is uh condemned to bloodshot um i firmly believe that <laughs> condemned <laughs> what what no i'm just i'm loving your picks dude i'm just like All oh right. my god these are terrible games <laughs> uh well i i firmly believe that condemned criminal origins which was an xbox 360 launch title is an absolute masterpiece that game is so it's a it's a survival horror masterpiece i love that game it still holds up to this day condemned Two kind of took the premise of condemned one and like went in a completely different direction and like the story is so bad and condemned two the writing is so bad it eventually kind of goes from like a first person melee like intense horror game it kind of gets more like shootery as it goes on and it shouldn't do that um but i do like that game because it has very genuine scary moments the first half of the game is actually pretty good if you can get past the awful writing um and and I, it has really good uh, mechanics, like fighting mechanics, because part of that game is about like beating up like drug abusing hobos and stuff. And it's very, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it's really intense. The fighting mechanics are really good. And I stand by enjoying <clears throat> that game or enjoying most of it. But my, my last and my final pick, which is actually a pretty not, if I remember correctly, it's a pretty not uh, well-reviewed game, is... Um, Alone in the Dark Inferno on the PlayStation 3. Oh, my 3. God. I love that game. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is amazing that you picked all of those games, dude. Oh, my God. This is why we do a podcast together. This is exactly why. <laughs> well, okay. So, Alone in the Dark, um, very, very hyped when it came out. It's pretty old at this point. Um, maybe, like, eight or nine or ten years old, maybe. I, I should have looked up the date on it. But Alone in the Dark... Uh, you know, sort of like rebooted and came out on the Xbox 360. And then Alone in the Dark Inferno came out on the PlayStation 3, I don't know, like six months after. And I like Inferno because it actually fixed a lot of the really simple mechanical problems that existed on the 360 version. And I don't know if the 360 version ever got patched with these or if it's just like undoubtedly the shittier version of the game. Um, but, I mean, it has a lot of really good ideas that kind of got botched in execution. Like, one of my favorite things about Alone in the Dark Inferno is the inventory system where 
whenever you go into the inventory, um, the main character, Edward Carnby, which is the worst protagonist name ever, it goes into first person view and he literally just looks down at his coat and he opens his coat and it has like all of his pockets in it. And you just like pick out things in his coat, like say you pick up like a vodka bottle and you pick up like a rag and you can like make a cocktail out of it. Or it has like a bunch of weapon combinations or you can like throw the vodka bottle and shoot it with the gun or you can pour gasoline on bullets and turn them into flaming bullets because that's exactly how guns work in real life. And the game is like bananas. It's like really badly written survival horror. Like the story is so bad. And it's like part open world exploration of Central Park and it's like part linear um, sort of like dungeon levels. But I really like that game. It's awful, but I actually think it has a lot of good ideas that are worth playing. And I think the if you ever played the 360 version, the, the Inferno version is way better um, in just a lot of little technical ways where the 360 version wasn't. And I think... Um, I think it's good, and if you were ever interested in it, then you owe it to yourself to play it because you can probably get it online for like five dollars at this point. I, I love that game. Dang, dude, those are some great picks, man. I uh... <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go from the top of what you just said. I actually agree. Whenever anybody asks me this question, and I, oddly enough, I get asked this question quite a bit. I don't know why this question comes up, but um, this is not the first time we've been asked this, uh, and. It's like you. Like if I like a game, I don't think I don't think I like bad games. I think I like I think I like good games. <laughs> so it's like you know I can recognize games have faults, but I don't think I like anything that's like like obviously really bad. Like there must be something about it that's good, otherwise I wouldn't like it, right? So it's kind of hard to answer this question. Um, yeah, I I hate the order, so I don't. I'm not with you on that one. But what was the second game you said? It was um, uh, Condemned Two. Oh my god, Condemned Number One. Let's talk about Condemned Number One. God. Damn, that is a scary game, dude. I love that game. <laughs> that is probably that's when I was still brave, when I still had like, you know, enough gumption to actually get through and play a scary game. That game is fantastic. I mean, the ending scene to that game, holy shit. One of the best <laughs> one of the best things ever, right? Like in that, that last level. I mean, don't spoil it or anything, but oh my god, like I wanted to fucking piss uh, myself. It, it was so phenomenal. scary. Yeah, it's incredible. And Condemned number one is incredible. Um, number two, I thought was wow. That was just it was really bad. It was really bad, <laughs> really really bad. They lost everything that made the first game fun and good, and just yeah, that was really bad. But I am so with you on Inferno. Um, I was actually just talking about this a couple weeks ago with uh, Louis Louis Fiatro, who had played through this game because I had recommended it. I don't think he ended up liking it as much as we do, but I mean. <laughs> understandable because it's an old game or, or nobody liked it as much as we did <laughs> that's true nobody liked it even back then but they were wrong they were wrong not to like it back then um i forgive louis number one because he's an awesome guy but number two because if i played it now i'm sure that i would feel much less generous towards it but at the time when you took um what that game was in context with what else was out there it was really experimental i thought it was really pushing genres forward like you said the um the inventory system the open world approach to the level kind of mixed with the dungeon style level. Some of the physics they implemented, they had fire physics. They had some other um, physics that were not very common in games at that time. And also just the story, even though the story is kind of bad, I really liked how it ended up. Like it has a very kind of nihilistic, really um, just really bleak kind of tone to it. And I thought that was great. I really just liked how all of those things came together. It was really, really experimental, but I thought overall um, a great product. Uh, yeah. I mean, it might be tough to like it now because so much has happened um, since then. 
But at the time, I, I just had nothing but adoration for it. And you are correct. The Inferno <laughs> version, it never came to 360. It never got patched. It was only the PS3 that got the improved version because uh, apparently just that game was not selling and they weren't going to sink any more money into it. So the PS3 version is the way to go unless it's on Steam. Do you know if the Inferno is on Steam? Uh, surely it is, but I don't I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know for sure either. So that is that is a really good pick, though. That is a really busted, really interesting. Um, it's a shame it didn't get more love because I think it was really doing awesome things back then, which probably are hard to recognize now. But I really liked it back then. Great game. Um, I only picked one thing because I just had a really hard time picking something that I thought was bad because I think all the games I like are good because I like good games. <laughs> um, but one thing that I did pick and I'm not sure if I've talked about this before. I probably haven't. It's called Of Orcs and Men. Have I talked to you about this before? Uh, not that I remember. This is a really small um, indie game. I think it was partially made by Spiders, which is a French uh, development house, also in the running for creepiest studio name ever. Uh, it's also co-produced by somebody else. I can't recall who, but it's it actually was just on PSN sale. I think it was like $1.75 or something like that. So like really, really affordable to get into. This game is an action RPG where you play a team of a goblin and an orc. The orc is a really big, brutish, almost like an ogre in some ways. And the goblin is a really small, uh, really deadly, um, shit-talking kind of guy. They are a pair. <laughs> you can switch between them um, at will. And they go on this quest to do like these various things. The thing that I really like about it is the writing was awesome. It was just so great to have these characters who are facing uh, a lot of hatred from the human faction in the game. Like there's a real palpable sense of racism and um, dislike and dis, you know, unquiet between the two or the three races, I guess. And so having them talk to people and how they interacted was really well done. It kind of reminded me a little bit of what they were trying to do in Deus Ex um, Mankind Divided, but which just did not happen. Like, I don't think that racism really came through very well in, in Mankind Divided. But it came through excellently in this game. Like, I thought that was a great a great aspect to it. It was also really great to play a character who was not human. Like, they did not have human motivations. They did not sympathize with humans. Like, whenever a human got in their way, they had no compunction about killing them. And, you know, like, it just added to the whole flavor of, like, wow, this is a really different kind of a character. Um, and very few uh, games really get into the heads of other species. It's kind of like when we were talking about... Um, Mass Effect, how all the aliens are basically just like people with weird heads or whatever, and you can bang them all because they're all like, you know, human, um, <laughs> they fit human parts or whatever, which is stupid. Uh, this was one where I really felt like the writers really got into what it might be like to be an outside species, like the attitudes, the, the cultural uh, taboos, the customs, just their whole manner of being was really, really good. I, I thought that was excellent. From a story perspective, that game is one that really stands out to me over the years, and I haven't really played anything quite like it, so I really want to recognize it for that. I call it a guilty pleasure because actually playing it is really broken. It's really broken yeah. as fuck. Yeah, it's it's a shame, but mechanically, it's very rough. Um, it's very easy to get killed by enemies if you're not min-maxing the right way. It's really glitchy in some places. The combat is just not great. Um, I mean, you can play it, you can finish it. I finished it and I, and I got through it, you know, without too much trouble. But you really have to be invested in the story and you really have to like what the story is doing because the gameplay is just, man, it's it's rough. <laughs> she rough, you know what I'm saying? It is not great. So 
If you're looking for an interesting story game, interesting characters, I guarantee you this is like nothing you've ever played. But you really have to be ready to sit down and just power through like the mechanical stuff that is just not, not, not good. So that, I think, qualifies for me as kind of a guilty pleasure, but I do like recommending that game. And like I said, it's really cheap. It was a buck seventy-five or something on PSN. I'm sure it's, like, free on Steam or something. I mean, who knows? It's, <laughs> it's out there. But check it out. You know, don't say I didn't warn you, but if, you, if, that's, if what I described sound good to you, check it out. So that, I think, looking at the script, brings us to the end of this episode. Wow, what an episode this was. Another giant giant installment in some video games man but before we go well let's just take a moment boy we talked about a lot of stuff tonight didn't we Corey? <laughs> we did i also want to thank uh thank you joshua jackson for that question i like josh is a good guy and i think he um whenever we had our gundix show he was talking about how he tweeted us and said that he was like he, he like delivers mail or delivers packages or something and i guess like he would take his headphones out while he was delivering his stuff and then put it back in and we would be talking about gun dicks. So like he was delivering packages to people and we were delivering gun dick packages right into his ear holes while he was doing his mail rounds and he got a good kick out of that. (laughs) That is not good. Gun dicks firing in both ears for Mr. Joshua Jackson. (laughs) And no one even knew. But this show has been a journey. It has. Yes, it has been a journey. Actually, yes, thank you for thanking Joshua. I should have thanked him as well. I, my bad. Sorry, Joshua. Thank rude. you very much. For, I, I'm rude. I'm so rude. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Uh, but thank you very much. And this is now definitely the end of the show. Before we go, we'd like to remind you all that you can send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. Really, we are open. Like, whatever you want to send us, just go right ahead. Send it to SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a collective show at So Video Games, and you can reach us individually. Corey, what is your Twitter handle, sir? My Twitter handle is my first and last name is Corey Motley. C O R E. Oh my God, I can't even spell my name. <laughs> C. <laughs> Let me start over. My Twitter handle is my first and last name. It is Corey Motley. C O R E Y M O T L E Y. And if I remember, I will put either my Instagram or my Flickr photo page link in the show notes in case you guys want to check out my con photography and stuff. I'll try to remember to do that later, but that that's my Twitter handle. That would be great. Uh, you can find me on Twitter also. It's my first and last name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. It's all A's, no O's. There's not a single O in my name. <laughs> and with that, that is the end of another So Video Games. Thank you very, very, very much for listening. Thank you again for all your contributions. And we will see you next week. And in the meantime, bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys in a week. <laughs> <laughs>